Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. And we're going to go back to our youth. Well, my youth. How old were you guys? One, two. Uh, non-existent. You were, you were non-existent? I was born in 91. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> so, who were you guys to judge these movies? You didn't see them when they came out. Uh, I... Uh, you you possibly know. Do you think I didn't see UHF in theaters at two? Because <laughs> you're wrong. I have no life, so I went and watched every single theatrical release from 89 and just pretended it was the year 1989 four years ago. It's yeah, sure, let's go no. with that. No. I, you know, um, you so... I you, went through Bush years. Shut Bush the fuck up, Zach! <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like uh, a minute in, in. In his own house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to introduce the podcast and he just rambles on. You're a rambling man. Mm-hmm. Wait, you can finish your story. Trying to make it. It doesn't off. matter what your story is. Um, it's really uncomfortable right now. Oh, did you see it? No. Ah, oh, it's so good. Um, uh, next week we'll talk about fighting with my family. Anyways, this week uh, we're going back in time, like Huey Lewis said, uh, to 1989 for our first of our three installments this year, Film Explosion 1989. I've been waiting so long for this one. I know. Yeah. Um, oh, this is the God. greatest year of cinema ever in history. Mm. I'm calling it. <laughs> it was. It's a really good one. The, it, this was almost less fun than some of the more difficult and less good years because honestly, like, I filled out a list of 15 really quick and was like, well, shit. Yeah. Like, some of this shit it just it has to be there. And, like, how do you not put some of these on your top ten? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and here's the thing, too, is I don't know if it's because I actually listened to feedback we got. Uh, you know, if you send us emails, guys, I really do read them. Um, people that, send us emails? Yeah, so people have been saying we don't give them enough time to do film explosion lists, and I believe it was James's mom who uh, yeah. mentioned it. Yes, that's right. So I said, you she know said what? One. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to post this really early. Two weeks, or, or like ten days early, I posted that we're doing a film explosion. And I don't know if it's because the movies are really great this year or I posted it early, but we got a lot, a lot of uh, feedback. Oh, yeah. It might have been the multiple poster art that did things well I too, made. Yes. That well, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. give myself a ton of credit here. Yeah. No, I <laughs> they mean, were awesome. But I mean, if we 
like uh, you know what I mean though if we engage early <laughs> it's easier for people to put the list together no, very true because I mean now we can also say right now go ahead and do 1999 yeah. and 2009 and just put them someplace yes we're gonna get there because and we've you know we've actually done those ones before Shh. um that's true 99 yeah yeah and uh 99 we did on this podcast right but um nebcast we did 2009 our previous incarnation of real nerds and and james needs to redeem himself this is Oh yeah, the ultimate redemption. <laughs> the most tour. embarrassing list ever made. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfair in the history of lists. It's <laughs> of all kinds. I, I, it, it's interesting. I I'm gonna have to like when that happens. I know. Compare my original list to the new one because some of it's gonna be very similar. Oh like, yeah, it has to my be. one and two will probably just swap. Like yeah. you I mean, know. it has to be. But yeah. anyways, we're talking about 1989. It's up in um, the air. It could be anything. We already. Ah! Talked- <laughs> oh, That's my number one. Um, we already talked about Zach wasn't born, so yeah. he can go fuck himself. James was, I was two. two yeah. So, but but a lot of my movies on this list are like things I grew up on and don't remember not having. Like yeah. I don't remember having not seen Last Crusade, Back to the Future Two, mm-hmm. Turner and Hooch. Like that's su- that's super yeah. similar to mine. Like not all of them, but a lot of them I grew up on. Like just it, like in the youth. So all right, let me talk to the other old fucker here. So <laughs> Brad, um, now my very like earliest memory of going to movies is like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because it was something my mom took me out of school to see. Um, however, Damn, I... Cool mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do remember seeing Batman in theaters, but I don't remember who I went with. It was my mom or my dad. Um, there's a couple movies on here I do remember seeing in theaters, and I begged for the Batman, um, you know, VHS, and that's where I got, you know, the Diet Coke with Alfred and um, Warner Can't Brothers. Warner Brothers ball cap Yeah. Her. Without a Warner Brothers, they can't watch Warner Brothers movie without a Warner Brothers ball cap. Um, the Daffy Duck commercial, um, and you, you talk about uh, how iconic that was. I remember the VHS because I still have it. Um, is literally just a Batman logo. There's no words on it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Well, it's the poster too. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Well, mostly, but because that's all you needed to sell that movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting time. That was a Good huge time. summer Crazy. for that movie. Did you remember yeah. going to the theaters in '89? I would say this is the year like I woke up to movies because I remember my, my dad took me to <laughs> to Batman, um, and I like the part where the Joker fries that gangster. Uh-huh. Uh, like I closed my eyes, like it was so scary. Um, and yeah, like uh, yeah, we also went to Indiana Jones that summer. Um, but like, I actually didn't go to the movies a lot as a kid. So like, you know, anytime we went to the movies, it was like a special thing. Yeah. Um, so those two are pretty memorable. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I because in my family, I am really the movie guy. I mean, my other family members watch movies, but but we watch movies. Yeah, but I watch because I had this actually conversation with my father yesterday because we were talking about 1989, and my dad brings up like the usual like he likes war movies and things like that. Right. Um, but. You know, because he's also saying, man, I don't know how you watch those Cary Grant movies. I can't watch that stuff. And But I don't like movies <laughs> like you. And I realize that in my family, I am like the movie guy. Yeah. Um, besides being a host of a podcast about movies. Right. But when I re- mentioned to my, you know, my dad, I was doing this. He said, oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Batman. I haven't seen it in 30 years, but I remember Batman. Uh, and my dad's that way. My dad really loves the war movies, Hunt for Red October, Platoon. Things like that. Um, Did your dad just think Cary Grant's tough enough? No, he doesn't like um, old movies. He just uh, can't get into okay, them. For sure. Um, They're but, slow. They talk a lot. 
Yeah, well, that's why color. they're perfect for me. Devoid <laughs> of color. Yeah. color. But no, it's it's really fascinating um, when you think about this time for me because this is too when I kind of discovered movies because there's there's a movie in, on my list that is not a good movie, um, but it holds a special place in my heart, um, and we'll get to it. But um, it my but here's the cool thing about my dad is whenever we went to Blockbuster or I forget what the name of the video store was, it was in Arvada, and my mom and dad were divorced and he would just give me money. And he put on his account that is okay if I rented rated R movies. <laughs> and so um, I would walk from – he had this uh, apartment, and I, you walk down like a hill, and the movie store was right there. And so um, I would rent one of my movies on my list a lot, and I would also rent um, like Predator 2. <laughs> my, my dad never cared. Um, yeah. You know, my dad didn't believe in censorship, but so my dad did help me get into movies because he's you know saying, you want to watch Child's Play? Okay. I mean, it's got child in the name. Like, mm. What'd you get, Ryan? Caligula? Okay. <laughs> have play. fun, Sounds son. Fun. No, but it's funny when I would come home with, you know, like Terminator or, um, hell yeah. You know, Predator, my dad would get really excited because my dad likes those movies. And, right, right. And so I, I've always been really lucky. My parents have never told me I couldn't watch something. I mean, in Predator 2, when that one chick's doing that dude, my dad's like, fast forward but he would like um so all i got was a chick like riding the guy really fast and, uh, ryan press the button but yeah my dad never censored me i mean um because he knew i like that kind of stuff so there you go my dad my mom would help me out with that i you know I, and you grew into a respected police officer that's right <laughs> that's right that's right see you never know some movies don't affect you like video games it's um wow it's uh <laughs> wow you think you think uh, movies contribute to violence? James? No, no, it was that it was that you threw video games under the bus. No, no, you did it. Oh, uh, no, oh no, I thought no. you were saying movie, no. movies don't affect kids as much as video no, games. No, no, I'm do. saying movies yeah, and video games you know, do not affect making uh, serial killers the way that Call of Duty does. Uh, whatever, go back to the Senate chamber. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm saying that they have no bearing on. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah, you know, yeah. so because I'm normal-ish, right? <laughs> I, mean, I like to stay home by myself, but other than that, it's... <laughs> I'm super normalish. Do you see this f collection of Jasons that I have hey, here? This one's deformed Jason. Hey, I've grown a little bit, guys. I do not let my kid watch that kind of stuff, okay? Right. Do you put a piece of paper over the over the Jasons that are just... Oh, no. He, li he likes Jason. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't watch him, but he thinks he looks cool. Oh, except for part sure. five. He hates part five and part nine. Yes. <laughs> Do you yeah. see the new, like, uh... Like horror figures, but they're modeled after uh, Masters of the Universe sculpts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Jason, Jason one. one. Oh, you got it right. Yeah. Oh. He's he doesn't show up very often. I found him at um, Fye, I think. Yeah, I saw him at Twitch and Shout. Yeah. Fye. Yeah. Yep. What? Where did you find the Fye? <laughs> I'm more amazed there's you found there's it. There's one in Colorado, the Colorado Mills. Yeah, oh, that's okay. where all the second spin stock went. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, if you've never listened to a film explosion, uh, my long tirade about why movies are great. And why I, this year is important to me is, uh, like Brad, it's really the year I, rem I remember seeing movies. Yeah. Um, uh, we have our 10 favorite films. We will tell you what the films are, and then we will play the trailer for the film, as long as it's not a repeat, and then we will tell you why it's on our list. Um, Brad has supplied a really sweet DVD that has a really cool background. Is that yeah, from does. Batman? Yeah, that's Gotham City. Nice. That's Great job. Because yeah. you can see the, there's, the, there's the bridge that goes to the island where... The Narrows, yeah, right. Which aren't in that movie. Wasn't in this movie, but you know, in um, in Arkham Knight, you have to reopen those bridges. Yeah, you have to fight the bad guys off of them. Yeah, Arkham Knight's awesome. That game's good. Did yeah. you ever play Origins? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
I never right. did. I don't think I did. That's the last view of Gotham that Jack Palance gets before he gets killed. I wish I had more time. I would have done like a, a different movie for each round as a background. Uh, yeah, that would be good. Okay. You you could have just made <laughs> you could have made the menu for each one your movie. <laughs> that did cross my mind. Yes. Yeah. Brad's just like I could have done more. Yeah. <laughs> but like I already had the graphics and the posters done, I could just like transplant oh, no. them. But anyway, yeah. That's right. It's good so job, awesome. Brad. It's the and best way to do film explosions. We're the only ones them. who will see them. Um, note on trailers for 1989, though. YouTube, YouTube, get on it. Um, get some HD trailers for 1989 movies because there were so few <laughs> high quality trailers. Are we gonna watch some grainy ass shit right here? <laughs> Even blockbusters it, uh, had some bad grainy trailers. Oh, so and some of the lesser known indie stuff actually had the HD ones. So, um, yeah, come on, YouTube. Yeah, you're like what ten years in yourself. Yeah, you can do better. <laughs> YouTube's older than ten years, isn't it? Uh, that's probably like 12 or 13. Yeah. God, man. It's yeah. just part of your life now that you forget that it's not that old. It's yeah. almost old enough to get a learner's permit. Yep. So without further ado, here's Zach. And it's structured yeah, to Zach. All right. Um, my number 10, um, <laughs> I had a hard time making a decision. Um, and it ended up that while I had a number 10, I also couldn't uh, not recognize another film just for an obsession of mine. So my number 10 is... I don't remember it's who is next. Between Pet Cemetery and Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael <laughs> oh, Myers. Oh. oh, I thought it was a tie with somebody else. This is bullshit. Yeah, this yeah. is bullshit. Yeah, make a decision. Neither of these are good <laughs> movies. <laughs> so now we have to watch two trailers? Fuck. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judge? I have no reasons. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judge? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts best not thought of. Do something really bad. You're a thing to put them up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Paramount Pictures presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. Sheriff, they want you down at the cemetery. Today in the cemetery, somebody dug up a coffin. It was a coffin of a nine-year-old girl. that she is not him, she's just a child. They know that Michael Myers is her uncle and that she attacked her stepmother. That's why they fear her, especially on Halloween. You're afraid. You're afraid the whole thing might start to happen again. How many people did he kill last year? Have you forgotten? But you never looked into his face, did you? You never saw his eyes. You never saw that nothing, no expression. Blank. My memory goes back 12 years. I prayed. 
that he would burn in hell. But in my heart, I knew that hell would not have him. Michael Myers is outside. The National Guard will take him to a maximum security facility. But he'll stay till the day he dies. Never die. both shit movies <laughs> oh my god wow. so so yeah um, i don't know how you had a, such a hard time deciding well so I'll, I'll get halloween five out of the way um i said last year that i didn't know if i could put this on a list but uh i do remember having fun watching this on the amc marathons when i was getting into halloween um when i was younger so this film is dumb it's not the sequel we deserved after halloween four um donald pleasant shakes children to get answers out of them and it's very strange uh it has one of the most annoying slasher characters in the world which is tina um i mean the actress is fine it's just the movie her character is awful um this is uh this is a film that i think had way too many ideas thrown into the pot to ever work uh and it ends with a cliffhanger that then leads into curse of michael myers which is the whole reason we have to reboot this thing constantly. Um, but uh, I do enjoy certain parts of it. Um, I do enjoy the um, uh, Michael stalking the kids in the barn and the the scene in the woods where Tina does get killed, and then Pleasance like calls out to him to come back to the house. Um, the chase between Michael and uh, Jamie Lloyd in the house where she goes down the gar- the laundry chute is a very tense scene. Uh, and Donald Pleasance beating Michael Myers to death with like fucking chains and shit is pretty amazing. Um, so, so yeah, he, it's he not... dies in this movie. No, no, Michael doesn't like beating to death. Quote unquote, I should say beats him really fucking hard. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, like Halloween five, not the best um, uh, entry and whatnot, but I do love Halloween that much that I'd be willing to put this one in. Whereas six and ninety five, I definitely can't because there's so much going on. But I give it an honorable mention. Uh, Pet Cemetery, on the other hand, uh, I don't think is a shit film. I don't think it's a great film, though, either. But I love it a lot, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with Fred Gwynn uh, playing uh, Jed. Um, sometimes Dad is better. Sometimes Dad is better. Um, and uh, <laughs> this is... is this the, I don't know if this is the start of the creepy dominance that is Miko Hughes, where he's just a child actor that goes through mo- horror movie to horror movie, creeping the hell out of people. But he's creepy in this movie. Um, I think delivers other than Fred Gwynn, the best performance in the film. You know, my only problem, yeah, I watched it recently. I think, I think it's really cheesy. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. It's- the, the performances are super hammy. Um, there were like 16 shots in that movie where somebody went, huh! 
here's here's <laughs> the, here's the here's the issue that I foresee, and I wonder how they'll do with it in the remake, which is. Pet Cemetery is a dark story. Like it's like it's it's uncomfortable subject matter, like the death of children and how one copes with the loss oh, of yeah, children. I mean... So I think like Mary Lambert's genius was to play up the horror in the film, like or like, play up the insanity a little bit to where it's watchable and not like miserable on your soul. Like it doesn't depress you. Mm. Where I'm wondering if the remake's going to actually depress you as well as scare you. So let's hope. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it would be truer I'd to the, it would, it, it, it'd be truer yeah. to the concept, but um, yeah. and yeah, um, as we were mentioning while the trailer was playing, Stephen King uh, has a cameo, and this is the only film uh, adaptation of his work where he wrote the script. Um, and I think it's actually a pretty good script. Um, it's just that it's. I wonder how much of it they had to trim. I think you had to, well, actually, it's a three hundred page script. That, that's a really deep Stephen King cut, right? There. I, don't know, I don't know if you know this. He wrote a book called It. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Pet Cemetery and Halloween Five, like two horror movies that I think like get tossed around a lot, but I still rewatch them. So definitely, like, had to make it on the list somehow. Sure, cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, all right, very cool, James. Uh, yeah, my number ten is uh, you, there were a number of like sort of dramas from that year that I found later in life that, you know, were, were contending for 10. But in the end, I had to give it to a movie that I... that probably doesn't stand up very well, but that I really loved and was definitely a family favorite when we were kids. So my number 10 is... Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It was a quiet Saturday morning. Zelensky! Give it a rest! It's Saturday! Professor Wayne Zelinsky was hard at work on his new invention. This thing works to put us right up there with the invention of electricity. That didn't quite work. Did you get the machine to work? A few more bucks to get out. Then something quite unexpected happened. Where are the kids? I haven't seen them since I left this morning. It shrunk the kids. Nick, what happened? It works. Diane, I got something real important to tell you. Are you trying to tell me the machine works? Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. That's great. It's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids and the Thompson kids, too. They're about this big. Threw them out with the trash. Ah! What? They're in the backyard. Walt Disney Home Video presents The Last Frontier. Dad can fix us, right, Nick? Ah! Sprinklers! Ah! I'll tell you, their size. It's a jungle out there. Ah! Ah! Nicky, get out of there! Now, while the professor is looking for the kids, just kind of keep our eyes open. They're taking matters into their own hands. I say that Ann is ours. They better behave themselves. Something's very weird here. What is it? Earthquake! No way! Lawnmower! Rick Moranis is Professor Wayne Zielinski. Blew up my kids? No, oh, no, 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 no. If the machine no. had blown up the kids, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. Wayne, did you report some missing children? Oh, there must be some mistake. Ours are in the backyard. Right, honey? Honey, I shrunk the kids. We're all the size of boogers. Dad, don't eat me! Joe Johnston. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Joe Johnston. Um... So this was one that like scared the poop out of me as a kid sometimes because like the giant insects were scary, you know. But it was so a just fun little you know bottle adventure film oh, yeah. that it was impossible not to love. I think all you know when I watched it is I always wanted to ride the blades of grass, you know, yeah. oh, down yeah. and 
Um, well, and like the terror of like that last shot where like he's in the cereal and he's gonna get eaten, mm-hmm. and like all of that was like really intense. When I was know? a kid, I wanted to swim in a bowl of Cheerios. That also true. Yeah, it was it was both this cool imaginative like, what if I was tiny? You know? Yeah. No, um, it's 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 I. I want to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in such a long time. I don't know that's a good idea. No. Okay, so. Because I haven't seen it. Don't own it. Don't even know I'll show it to my kids. Because I don't know that it's a good idea to rewatch it. Is that the, movie. the memory might be better than the movie? Oh, yeah. That, that might be the case, but I still don't want to do it. Um, I love the first one. I haven't really watched all the way through Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. That's right there. Oh, and, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the one that I watched There's the most was the one they showed on oh, Disney my Channel much, which is Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Oh, my God. That's the one I really grew up on even more you than Shrunk kid. the Kids. But I like I like Rick Moranis' character in all oh, those yeah. films. So, like, take yeah. your pick. Like, he's a, he's a d- delight to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's not a good idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. No. <laughs> Don't don't do that. I'm huh? not. I I'm the guy who put it on my number number ten just because I wanted to bring attention to it. Uh, <laughs> because like in our family, it was a big deal. Like that was a movie we watched a lot. <laughs> we, and a, we watched we watched yes, <laughs> it's a big deal. But no pun intended. Uh, uh, honey, I, honey, I blew up the kid was a like frequent on TV watch. Like that that was a movie they showed on TV a lot where you'd like pop in and be like, "Oh, there's a giant baby in Las Vegas." Blah! Which I got <laughs> which I, like, I saw clips of it all the time like so on goofy. television scattered, but for whatever right. reason I never watched the whole thing in full. Yeah. It's I think it's less interesting because it's like the fun of this one is the all these kids having to like become friends and survive while tiny and they make friends with an ant. Mhm. Oh man. That's right. Yeah. That would never think... work in a movie. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Ant-Man communicating with ants and shit. Movie. Seriously. Um, but anyway, no. Honey, I shrunk the kid. Uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Uh, it's a, it, it, it was a good one at one time. <laughs> That's all I can say. That's I watched it ten. like a year or two ago. It's good. Did I ha- hold up? Yeah. Okay. I just... I, I just wish it was on widescreen. That's the only thing that bugs me is I can't get it in widescreen. Christmas is coming... Maybe Disney Movie Club will deliver one to your house. <laughs> yeah. Christmas is coming. It's I March. do have like two thousand points right uh, now. It's not still untrue. Coming. Christmas is coming. Uh, technically, um, yeah, cool. Ryan, Ryan, um, my number ten. I gave Zach crap. My number ten is not a good film. However, it I'm is so the uh, the first film I discovered in this franchise. I told you the story how I would go to uh, this movie place and rent film, and the uh, box art always uh, I thought was interesting. And um, because it features an iconic sports figure looming over the city of New York with a machete. (laughs) My number 10 is. Is. Tag team review. You too. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) It's Friday the 13th. Part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. This is the one where he goes to New York. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Now, New York has a new problem. Do you think that's Don, Lon, Don LaFontaine doing yeah, that voice? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah, he did all the other ones. There's a great, um, if you get the um, the limited edition set, they have a whole like little mini doc about him doing the... Friday 13 oh. trailers were, you know, because the first one, is, the first Friday 13th, it goes one and it shows him about people about to be killed. Two. Yeah. Three. It's <laughs> pretty great. Um, so, Brad, Jason Takes Manhattan is not the best movie. Nope. However, <laughs> it's the first Friday 13th movie I ever saw. Really? Yeah. You, you in wow. theaters or you rented it? I uh, rented it. Okay. I would go down to the, <laughs> the movie place and rent it. And my dad would go, okay. And... Uh, <laughs> Then I started uh, getting more into Friday the 13th, and I'd go to Suncoast in Villa Italia, and that's where I got Jason Lives and the final chapter and stuff like that. I really like the idea of your father going, like, looking at Jason Takes Manhattan and be like, you know he doesn't actually go to Manhattan, right? This one, son? Oh, Chose the tape really? <laughs> the one on a boat? Yeah, right. He, so, such a lie. <laughs> yeah, this movie's funny because um, the the budget kept on getting slashed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and so they, they had to keep on rewriting the script. This is the last one Mancuso works on, right? Yes. Yeah, because um, this is they were sold to New Line right after this, yeah. with the hopes of making Freddy versus Jason, which took another ten years. But yeah, like they had the idea, they blew it up, and then they were like, "Get realistic," so they set it on the boat. And uh, yeah, I guess another fourteen years. But uh, couldn't you just like put it in a warehouse by the dock? Yeah, you could, I yeah. guess. You don't um, even need to shoot it in New York. Just Who knows how movies are made. Yeah, so... You, you, just, you just feed him <laughs> yuppies in nice clothes and say they're New Yorkers, and we'd believe it. Yeah, and it, he gets on a boat that's a cruise down a river into New York Harbor to it, go like to New York. It's like a field trip. Yeah, it's <laughs> really weird. But the boat's some name rich kid school. is Lazarus. They had to find a canal of some kind to get there. <laughs> The movie's not great, but there is some like really standout moments in it. Um, I really like uh, when Jason kills the lady with the uh, the guitar. I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think him killing the uh, one girl in the disco club is really cool. That's Kelly Hugh, yeah, Kelly Hugh. Mm-hmm. Does does he blow her minds with his insane guitar skills? Totally. Oh god, I he wish. blows her mind. Um, you like but they also try because uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street was so popular right now. They try to incorporate a lot of supernatural into this one, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't work that well. Um, Stephen King does make an appearance in this in a pen that he used to write. Yeah. It's it's a pen from Stephen King, not really Stephen King. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. 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 Uh, it's a pen filled with coke. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's fun. Like uh, I so <laughs> why is it on your list, Brad? Uh, I was gonna say. I was conflicted because I, I watched The Little Mermaid because uh, it came out on Blu-ray this week right. or 4K this week. Yeah. Um, definitely a better film <laughs> than <Yeah>. Friday the 13th <laughs> and it probably should have been the spot on my list, but um, we forgot to say at the beginning of the, the podcast, these are our fa- our favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. This is right. no critical darlings. Um, well, some of them are. Yeah, so they're going like, maybe Little Mermaid should be in this spot, but... Uh, you know, it it's more critically a better movie, whereas this is like I've watched it a bunch of times, um, and it, it is disappointing. Like the cover art is so cool, and yeah. you think he's like, "There's tons of people in Manhattan. This is gonna be a blood spree." Um, and then you, you you watch it, and it's all on the boat mostly. But, yeah, but when he gets to Manhattan, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and then he yeah. gets like melted with toxic waste. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's that thing. And that's he punches like, some dude's head clean off. Yeah, you know? take your best shot. So. That's my favorite kill in that movie. Oh, I love oh, yeah, it. It's, uh, it's fun. And he walks around Times Square and like yeah. weirdly doesn't just kill the, that gang, but yeah. <laughs> turns just back scares into them. A, turns, he's, he's just pissed at Rennie and 
whatever her boyfriend's name is, I forget. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're ever facing down Jason, just act like a punk gang and he'll let you mm. go. Yeah, because, I mean, and the ending doesn't make very much sense. Turns into a Voldemort baby at the end. Um, yeah, he turns back into a little boy after the toxic waste. What? Mm. Like, I think him. that's like a figurative, like, this isn't really happening, but you need to imagine it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure right it now. is. Again, because uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 came out this year. That movie was really weird and garbage. So it reminded me a lot of... Um, what they try to do with Freddy. Yeah. Dude, um, dude, dude, Harry Potter 7 Part 2 stole something from Jason Takes Manhattan, the little true. Voldemort baby. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, Jason kills people. It's pretty awesome. He looks cool until he gets his mask off and his like face is meh. And Kane Hodder is great in the film. Oh, no, too. Kane yeah. Hodder is awesome as Jason. That shot of him uh, in third. Times Square is incredible. Yeah. It's his third go around on, at this point? Uh, second. Second. And the story of him shooting that and then people on the onlookers just looking at him as Jason and he would just looking at him intimidatingly. Yeah. Like, <sighs> <laughs> so, yeah, fun movie. Yeah. If you have an hour and 45 minutes to kill. <laughs> Longest but, of the series. I, I got so many, like, <laughs> slashing jokes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to beat it over your guys' head, but. God damn it. But, yes, James, we finally got the one where he goes on a boat and goes to right. New York. This just, is the cut one loose, just cut loose, Ryan. Just cut loose. Zach, why don't you take a stab at number nine? All right. Um, my, number nine, my number nine um, is a film by a director that I really, really enjoy. Um, and it's a film that I don't revisit a lot, but I, I do enjoy it. And I actually, like, was compelled to revisit it because of Ryan's um, liking it a lot, enough. Um, but my number nine is Joe Dante's The Burbs. All Tom Hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the burbs. Morning, Walter! Where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfeld's lawn again. Until the Klopex moved in. Klopex? Klopex. Klopex. No one goes in. No one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Klopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! The Burbs. I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? We found Walter! We got a real problem. I hit the gaslight, I'd run! God, I love this street. Tom Hanks. I think we are overreacting. No. The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Hey, honey, I think we should move. Yeah, um, Joe, it, it Joe shows Dante's, up a little later on my list. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I don't uh, care. Um, Joe Dante's the Burbs. Uh, Tom Hanks uh, plays a uh, guy living in a neighborhood with a bunch of eclectic characters. Uh, one of them played by Bruce Dern, um, and uh, they uh, new neighbors move in. Um, they're suspicious of the neighbors mainly because haunted house shit happens overnight at their at their house. And so uh, it's him and the rest of the neighbors investigating and sneaking around the house, trying to figure out what's going on in the house. And uh, are they like, you know, are they killing and eating people, or are they performing experiments? Who the fuck knows? You'll have to watch the Burbs. Um, uh, I think it's. I would 
for my money, I'd actually put this in the top 10 best Tom Hanks performances because he is insane in this film. And I love the commitment to it. He explodes like once every 10 minutes in this film with anger. And it's pretty incredible to watch. Um, and Joe Dante like shoots films like a cartoon. Like every one of his films is almost shot like a cartoon. Um, and we saw it in the trailer, but that shot of this is Walter. Ah! And it keeps like zooming in like uh, extreme <laughs> close up on Wade's world. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's got a nice little creepy atmosphere for when the horror moments do happen. Has a great dream sequence where Tom Hanks is strapped to a barbecue. And uh, <laughs> uh, one of the his neighbor, Ray, uh, or his, his his other neighbors like uh, he's just like hi I'm uh, the devil but I'm not actually the devil and then he just starts like poking at him and shit. Um, it's pretty fun uh, and has like Joe Dante does something that I love like he'll put like character actors that you haven't thought about for years in like small but important parts. Like Dick Miller's in this film as a garbage man, and we just lost Dick Miller. But Gail Gordon plays the neighbor Walter, who is kind of like a red herring throughout the entire film. And Gail Gordon is like an established radio and television actor who was like the bank manager for Lucille Ball in The Lucy Show and uh, Mr. Mr. Conklin and uh, Armis Brooks. And so, like, watching him play a guy who's trying to keep his neat lawn neat by letting his dog shit on other lawns is pretty hilarious mm. um and yeah and and also cory feldman this is it's not my favorite cory feldman performance but i think it's definitely up there uh he has a great line where he's like he's basically getting all the other kids in the neighborhood to watch them take down the neighbors and they're about to leave and he's like guys guys where are you going the best part's about to happen i just ordered the pizza <laughs> <laughs> and that's what gets them to stay. Like I, I don't know why, but I just laugh my ass off at that line every time. Um, so yeah, the Burbs, really great. Um, Ryan actually was the one who compelled me to rewatch it uh, within the last five years, and I've I'll kick it on uh, Prime or Netflix whenever it's available on there. So it's funny. I've actually never seen this movie oh. because as a kid, like my family hated it. Oh, really? Like, yeah, well, and it'll come up later when my mom's list comes up. It was I, I don't know the whole story, but it was something like that they rented it because based on the trailer, they were like, oh, this is, it's like a comedy. And then they watched it and they were like, this is not a comedy. Oh, it's a comedy. And, uh, <laughs> anyway. It's a dark comedy. It's, yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's definitely... I, I'd say it leans pretty hard in the horror element. Though. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can imagine how if you had you know a couple of young kids and you oh, thought yeah. like oh this is a Tom Hanks you know Joe, Joe versus the volcano like fun time you're not yeah no you're not, not going that. to have that fun time. Uh, I think you will. I keep a... meaning to to watch it because I know like if I watch it now I'll probably be like this is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, remind me I'll but... let you borrow it. Oh sure yeah. It's a it's a dark comedy from the eighties like so it's not right. super yes. dark today but. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not no, the weatherman. No, I would yeah. say it's, it's pretty dark. I mean, because yeah. besides the, the zany parts that they really highlight, because you're right, in the trailer, they highlight. In the trailer, it's like, whoa, whoa this is, you know, airplane Bring your kids, whoa. Yeah. Which that zaniness is there, but as Ryan says, like, there is a horror element it, to it. It leans pretty hardcore to the horror uh, uh, part. You know, the yeah. beginning is just bored suburbanites. Yeah. 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 And then it leans pretty hard into horror and right. gothic and and also, and lastly Carrie Fisher is in it it plays Tom Hanks's wife and she's great in it I bet yeah mm -hmm. great Carrie Fisher anyway number yeah. 9 the burbs cool James uh my number 9 is a is the movie on this list that it took me the longest in my life to see um uh it's uh anyway, anyway my number 9 is always <laughs> mayday mayday we have a major blow 
He was the luckiest flyer alive. Oh, this is good. I was rusty on panic. You magnificent pagan god! Where'd you get that oil on your face? Where? Well, it's here, it's here, it is. Terrible. So tell me you love me. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh, tell me, tell me! Then one day... Pete, that dive is way too steep! Get up! to give inspiration to some flyer. There's your boy. Listen, kid, I think we're both making a big mistake. They hear you inside their own minds, as if it were their thoughts. Give him a chance, Al! Okay, kid, you got a chance. Don't screw it up. I'm gonna like this job. In a world of fire... I know you can't see me. But I'm right here. Nothing is forever. That's my girl, pal. But a love can last. To us. Always. From director Steven Spielberg. Always. That line, A World of Fire, though, is pretty, like, well, yeah. too action-dramatic-y for that trailer. <laughs> In a world of fire. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Birthing flame. A love of violence. No. Um, He's the ghost with the most. <laughs> uh, this is a movie that I didn't see until um, until I did my, like, oh, holy shit, why, don't, why haven't I seen every Steven Spielberg movie? I'm going to just buy everything I haven't seen. Right. Um, and so I, f- I, I found out about Always, having never heard anything about about it before, um, and it's so good. And I don't, I don't know whether or not you cut before this, but you said the thing about it was Ghost the year before Ghost came out. It totally is. I think it's a better movie than Ghost. Um, it's super romantic. I think that the that Richard Dreyfuss's story is actually really good because it's not just like. He's a ghost and he's got to teach this person to move on so he can move on. Like, actually, no, like, he also has to sort of, you know, reconcile some things. Um, I think the comedy is really good. It's almost like. It's not a romantic comedy, but when it's funny, it's genuinely funny. It's an old fashioned Um, film. Yeah. It's, um, It's able to blend every element. But we would categorize it as a drama because of the things that happen in it. And it's funny because, you know, Steven Spielberg always jokes about how he can't, he can't make comedies because he tried once and it was the worst thing he ever did. Well, he made a um, National Lampoon comedy. Right, exactly. And but that's his the movies are is, like, funny. When you actually watch, like, especially the movies like this one, you're like, no, you're really good at comedy. Like, even in that trailer, yeah. that Richard Dreyfuss line about, give him a chance. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I, I I just adore this movie. Um, it's one of those. It's such a little delight that most people haven't seen. It's one of those like remakes of a golden age film that like I think in a lot of ways surpassed the original. Mm. I mean, like a, a guy named Joe is a fine movie, but always I I, I yeah. commend as like a and it. Holy Stripe is so Goodman. Good. This is the last Goodman Audrey Hepburn movie, man. Like yeah. this, there's a lot in here to love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really great. So I haven't seen it in a while. I I'll need to. He should. <laughs> like watching that trailer, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it's oh. so sweet. Fucking Spielberg. He can make yeah. trailers. His oh, trailers yeah. for his movies are better than movies I've seen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Hell of a director. Yep. Yep. Cool. That's my number nine. Uh, my number nine is an action film as well. <laughs> um, uh, you know, all I have to say is two words. Diplomatic immunity. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. Uh, my number nine is Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, wow. Who is it? Police, open up. How do I know you're the police? After I shoot you through the door, you can examine the bullet. Open up. Mel Gibson. Danny Glover. Come on, let's go, Rod. Oh, no, we shouldn't go. Let's go. Let's go. Kill him, Rod. Don't be a killjoy. Come on, we're back. We're bad. You're black. I'm mad. Come on, man. Hey, 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 listen. If we're going, shouldn't I have a gun? No. No. Now, get ready for something lethal. I'm surprised you haven't heard about me. You know, I got a bad reputation, and sometimes I just go nuts like now. (laughs) Because the magic is back. Watch out the window, Right yeah, I'm okay. Where were you, man? You're my partner. What? Why didn't you follow me down? Yeah, why didn't you follow him down? Shut up! I'm seven floors up! Lethal weapon two. You go first. I'm really chauffeur. You go first. I'll cover you. Good police work, officer. Come on. No. Back to my place. Hey, I'll even cook. You're lucky. I have to live with that. You're not gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. No, that's not enough room. You were right, you know. Yeah, there, there wasn't enough room. Lethal Weapon 2. This time, they're not taking any crap. Just get off me, man. I don't want anybody to see us like that. So, question for Ryan. If you know you have an officer that's suicidal, do you still let him on the force? or do you? Still- totally. <laughs> yeah, we register him as a lethal weapon. <laughs> not only do we let him on the force, we get him a gun, a rifle... <laughs> Let him walk around and shoot holes into doors. Let jump him out hang of out on our boats. We don't even give him missions. We just put him on the street and go, go find crime. And he does, sometimes on his own accord. We also let him run down the street barefoot in order to get to the villain. It's yeah. pretty We also wonderful. pair him up with our oldest employee just because it's funny. <laughs> yes. Two days to retirement. For 10 years. Yeah. What's really funny is, you know, as you go through the spoofs of uh, Lethal Weapon, a lot of them actually take from Lethal Weapon 2. Uh-huh. Um you know, because it has that iconic scene where he's strapped to a toilet um, with the bomb on it. Because yeah, the the shoulder thing is not until two, right? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like so a lot of the character actually pops in in two. Yeah, I, I actually really like this movie. It's fun. Um, mm-hmm. it was, oh yeah. It's the Lethal Weapon movies are all really fun. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and, and this one too. It's about I, I believe if I remember right, a South African diplomat who's smuggling something into Golkugran. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And. Um, and he has diplomatic immunity, so he's killing people, and it doesn't matter. But by the Which end of the movie, how that works. it's just been it's revoked. Not. However, yeah, I have seen it, it pop up revoked. in other things like Doctor Doom and <laughs> comics has diplomatic <laughs> immunity. Yeah, um, but it's fun, and it's so you know I, I 
that those movies they really don't make anymore where it's they're so super uh violent politically incorrect uh actually i there's an argument that lethal weapon the lethal weapon movies are probably the most progressive action series somehow (laughs) like the things they discuss in those films like in this film they're tackling racism it's pretty amazing in all of them they're tackling well yeah yeah well this one is very specific because of apartheid but but, i mean they drop the f word and not fuck a lot and things like that yeah. where it's um you can't you really don't say that anymore but yeah. joe pesci's in it guys yeah but it's still a, it's but still it a fun the, movie it was the 80s yeah I, I if you've listened to this podcast long enough and you've listened to my like film explosion there's always some over the top action movie on it mm-hmm. because i love them you know like cobra or <laughs> this oh, dude. the open two is really good i so, really yeah. i really wanted to put this on my list but i I like the first one more, and I don't know. There's don't a lot of why... stuff from this year that I like more. What, okay, what is... Which one's the bad one? Uh, four. No, I wouldn't say I like four's, four. Four's fun. Even three's fun. I don't yeah. think there are any really bad ones. There's okay. weaker ones. Yeah, no, and, and to be fair, to four is only bad now. You know, At I don't... the time, Chris Rock was funny. Now you go back and you're like, okay. I'd actually look at the it's Jet It's still pretty fun, though, because I think Jet Li's great in four. Yes. Because yeah. just... <laughs> I have I got the Blu-ray set where it has all four of them in it for like oh, yeah, I nine dollars. Yeah, and I forget when I watch them all like back to back to back to back. I should do that. Fun. It's it's fun. I should do that. And yeah, you know, I think Richard Donner's a really uh, cool action director. I think he he's really good at keeping a film moving. I think my mom has that Blu-ray. God. Fuck. Yep, mom. number nine. <laughs> She's had it for years. Lethal Weapon Two, <laughs> and this time they're jumping out of windows. <laughs> They're not taking any crap. <laughs> you want to jump? Let's jump. That's number one. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Brad. Brad. Uh, my number nine, I don't mind. I think it's a pretty good sequel. My number nine <laughs> is Ghostbusters 2. At the stroke of midnight, on New Year's Eve of the last decade of the 20th century, America's largest city is about to pay for the nastiness of its inhabitants. When that day comes... When the slime starts to rise... The Titanic just arrived. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload... We gotta find the guys. There's only one thing to do. Sometimes weird things happen. Someone has to deal with it. And who are you going to call? Let's suck in the guts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. The superstars of the supernatural are back to nuke the spooks. Be fast and baby slow. Make some time. Don't put any of those old cheap moves on you. No, no, no. It's different. I have all new cheap moves. Raise your spirits. If we don't do something by midnight, you will be remembered in history as the man who let New York get sucked down into the tenth level of hell. And kick some slime. It looks like a giant jello mold. I hate jello. Oh, come on. There's always room for jello. Happy New Year! Pose Ghostbusters 2. You're short, your belly button sticks out too far, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. You're seeing things right 
Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Ernie Hudson in an Ivan Reitman film. Ghostbusters 2. You're the best, we're the beautiful, we're the only Ghostbusters. We're back! Who you gonna call? Cool. Man. It's a fun movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Up until two years ago, this was the most maligned Ghostbusters movie for some reason. I don't know why. It's... And there isn't a bad Ghostbusters nope. movie, so yeah. I don't yeah. know what all the hate's about. Yeah. Um, I do wonder why Dana goes from one profession to another, but that's not my business to say. Because oh, uh, 80s sequels, like... They didn't know. matter. Well, that <laughs> in New York, I mean, there's a lot to do. Yeah, I mean, years pass, you might get a new job. Yeah, exactly. You want a new job, job that afforded her more time to spend with her baby. There you well, go. Well, there you go, actually. That, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. When the uh, pays are over time. Yeah. When uh, they won't. More formula! Five. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a perfectly fun movie. It's, yeah. A direct, uh, you know, it's a story is a good place to go from the last one. Yeah, um, the effects are all really cool. The effects are still good. Like it's actually um, like a step up from the first movie. Yeah. One interesting though th- uh, thing is uh, when I was looking for quotes for the poster, I couldn't really find any. So I guess this movie is probably less quotable than the first one. Um, probably. Who are you still gonna call? Yeah. There's not yeah. like an iconic, you know. Yeah. There's not um, a like tell him about the Twinkie. Like there's just, yeah. You know, um, Get me the Ghostbusters, <laughs> which I think that's why at the time, like people just didn't think it was as funny. But if you go watch it now, it's it's it's, it's fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think the villain in it's cool too. Yeah, I'm Vigo yeah. Carpathian, Scourge of Moldavia. Yeah, yeah. Good, good job, Ghostbusters. So yeah, I think cool. it's fun, and you know, good pick. If there's a third, when the third one comes out, I'm my guess is probably gonna have something to do with Oscar taking over from this Maybe. one. Maybe yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So. We'll cast see. it right now. Who who knows? All we know is that the car's in a barn, and uh, it's being uh, made every, by a great director. Everything else is up in the air, like Brad said. <laughs> hey yo, <laughs> Zach. All right. uh, my number eight is a disgusting, disgusting, but wonderfully interesting movie. Uh, my number eight is Brian Usna's Society. Oh, yeah. For Bill Whitney, I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's going to happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister... Could you zip me up, Billy? ...is not what she seems. God, Bill, what's the matter with you? He thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves, Whitney. You're going to drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. (laughs) Why why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? It's far worse than he could ever imagine. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know, Billy Boy? The rich have all sucked off low-class scum like you. Uh-oh, guy. Clarissa? Don't be so intense. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. You never were one of us. You know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. I, I don't think so. Wait. 
Can't you see they're setting you up for something? You know how I hate to give you drugs. You're officially dead. Don't go home, Billy. No, 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 no. Bill Whitney is about to become one. Showtime, Billy! With society. <laughs> Who are you? Let me give you a hand, Bill. <laughs> In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. Anything for society. <laughs> um, only a small fraction of this insane, insane movie. Uh, Brian Usna, the guy who uh, he's a, he was mainly a producer up until this point, um, working with Stuart Gordon on um, Reanimator, and um, he got the money to do this movie called Society, which is essentially a kid who grows up in a waspish family, feels out of place in it. Strange things happen when he, um, uh, one of his friends who was dating his sister bugs the family and finds out that there might be an incestuous orgy going on in that uh in the family and it becomes a horror movie about much more than that um it's i mean it's a on the nose allegory about rich versus the poor rich sucking off the poor um Whoa, which, what? <laughs> which hey <laughs> still relevant today but um uh the the screaming mad george a visual effects artist who is a genius did the makeup work for this film and it's not incredibly uh that uh, you're not really aware of his genius in it in the throughout the film until maybe the last 30 minutes but he does stuff at the beginning of the film that's pretty incredible that kind of sets you up for what you're about to see um i think Ryan's the only one in here who's seen this film as well as i have um i have the arrow release i think from like 2015 it came out like yeah. the limited edition one yeah and i've only watched it on streaming and whatnot and it's and it's a i didn't get to it till college uh i and i've rewatched it more well, i'd be concerned if I mean, like, I don't agree in, like, censoring stuff, but I would never show this to anyone. No, yeah, no, no. Society like, is... Under, like, 13. I have I have things where I'll draw the line on the whole censorship thing, and society's one of them. Like, when I saw it, I think I was, like, 24 when I saw it, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I'm glad I waited for this one. Um, it's still a very inventive film. Like, I mean, like, I don't know if I'd still have Tusk on my 2014 list, but I like movies where... What? They have... Yeah, I know. Uh, but they have... Uh, where they like they do body body horror is an interesting concept that I don't think it's done often enough or well enough, and I think society is definitely one of them. Hmm. Uh, it's a film that I, I, James, I don't think you'll like it. I really don't think <laughs> you'll like it. But if you take a look at photos of the makeup work, maybe sure. you'll understand why it's engrossing to watch. But the last thirty minutes of this movie is one of the most insane, straight out of hell. Uh, fever dreams you will ever see in a movie sure um but i think the allegory while on the nose is effective enough like sometimes on the nose allegories are what get people to wake the fuck up and yeah i mean i'm not going to show society to anybody who like really needs to wake up but like if you're looking for that shit yeah go ahead i guess yeah it's it's not on my list only because i have a hard time recommending it to people sure. oh yeah 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 because while, while i think it's an achievement in uh makeup effects i think it's bizarre in a cool way mm -hmm. it's not something saying you know james you and brooks probably need a date night why don't you watch society about <laughs> oh no yeah uh, people's faces melting off if, and if, um, i would say if you if, if somebody came up to me and said oh i love reanimator i'd be like maybe <laughs> but see reanimator the humor is enough and it's goofy enough it's more accessible it's more accessible well yeah I, those <laughs> all those movies are in this weird reanimator brighter reanimator scanners society, scanners in this weird 
like they're cool movies, and I just I don't I can't recommend them to people. They, Maybe they, you I could recommend it. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't I don't know. You have to be a film fan, and like body horror is a thing that I think. I mean, I think The Fly is the most accessible body horror movie yeah. you could recommend to somebody. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. I mean, number eight, Society. Um. Arrow, Arrow did do a great release, which I still don't own, but I'll have to get it at some point because I know there's a sequel comic in it. Yeah. Uh, that I want to check out. I don't know if you can get that one because it's the limited edition. I think you get it just like plain Jane now. Oh well, I, well then yeah. maybe it's time to yeah, uh, lose all my mortgage shit. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't know. Number eight, Society. Um, I, I think it's a fantastic film. I would not recommend it to anybody but Ryan. <laughs> Dude, that's cool. Cool, James. I'm watching uh, animated gifts from Society. Oh, you're seeing that? <laughs> Wait. I... Fuck this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, by the way. Like, oh, and then as you scroll through, Dead Poet Society. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it, the, 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 the scene at the end of the movie is insane. Um, also, I like how uh, Ryan, the, how he uses that society song. And oh, at the yeah. beginning of that, the opening credits is the scene at the end of the movie, but like dark filter on it. So you don't know exactly what's going on. Oh, funny! Oh, uh, and then they, but in the at the end of the movie, they they the lighting on it is clear as day. Yeah, and so that's when it becomes nuts. It's oh, crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, cool. My number eight is a a good fun time with family and friends and Tom Hanks. Oh, society. <laughs> My number eight is Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Scott Turner had finally found the girl of his dreams. Oh, God, a woman in my house. He finally had the perfect relationship. So you'll be staying another night. Oh, yes, of course! When something big happened to change it. Something called Hooch. Wait a while! No! You don't know much about dogs, do you? <laughs> this is not my dog. <laughs> now he's being swept off his feet and dragged all over town. <laughs> What are you doing to this dog? I'll oh, just tame for a while. All in the name of love. Well, this dog loves you, boy. Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Hanks as a man who'll beg. Don't eat the car! Not the car! Who'll bargain. You're not touching the water, the orange juice, crabapple. What am I supposed to do? Make you a margarita? Who'll pay any price. 97.51? What? Is that, is that pesos? This is for a dog. He'll take care of your house. You're lucky to have him. A man who'll do anything humanly possible to get the dog out of his bed. Oh, that's it! I'm getting my gun! And the girl back in his life. I don't have room for a dog like her. Not many people do. Oh! No! Go into my house! Turner and That's so funny, because watching that trailer, it's like the exact opposite of the Burbs. Yes. Where this is, you know, fun family comedy and the burbs is dark comedy well, hey, you know is... tom hanks had to make one for the studio and one for himself <laughs> right, <laughs> clearly yeah. the one for himself was turner and hooch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um they don't they don't touch much on the f- crime fighting there's a gunfight at the end mm-hmm. you know yeah. um hooch gets shot at mm-hmm. but, yeah. you know it's a it's a serious it's a, you know which makes those bad guys like very effective oh yeah like, oh bad yeah because yeah, yeah. you're like Worst i want you to hurt hooch yeah don't hurt him um, this is just one of those like it comes on TNT on a Saturday afternoon or after Saturday afternoon in 1993, and you're like, 
oh, we're going to fold laundry and watch Turner and Hooch. <laughs> like, that's what today just became. The greatest activity in human um, history. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, this movie is adorable mm-hmm. and fun and a good time. And Tom Hanks is great. And there's a dog that eats the car. <laughs> and that's great. My, my, we, we watched it a, two, a year ago after uh, the nephew was born. And uh, he was sleeping at the house. My dad, my sister, and I were flipping through the TV. And like he's, my dad's like, Turner and Hooch. And I was like, yeah. oh, you like this movie? And Because yeah. we never really watched it as kids. But like rewatching it was so much fun. Oh, it's, it's, so it's a fun, adorable flick. Yeah. Um, it's the best and film of 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't that, know. That was a joke that as I started to say it, I was like, oh, man, no nope. one's going to know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know. Sylvester Stallone was, was adorable as a dog wow. in Tango and Cash. <laughs> man, I suddenly remembered what group I was in. Get me Tango and Cash and Turner and Hooch. Man. God. Anyway, Turner and Hooch, great. Shenanigans between a man and a dog. Yeah, it's like Beethoven, but watchable. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh, Ryan? Uh, my number eight is actually my favorite slasher film from 1989, but wasn't released for I don't know when because it, it kind of went away and then it popped up. It's from some of my favorite filmmakers in it. Um, my number eight is Scott Spiegel's Intruder. Good evening, all my leg shoppers. It's closing time. The store will be closing in 15 minutes. But the night crew still has work to do. Oh my God, we're gonna get in so much trouble. Because there's one last customer who isn't satisfied. No, this creep keeps calling you. He's driving us nuts. Leave me alone. He wants to slash their prices. <laughs> Who's there? He wants to cut their inventory. <laughs> You're crazy. In fact, he wants to chop until they all drop. And now he's turning their retail store. There's gonna be one more killing here tonight. Into a wholesale slaughterhouse. I've never seen this, but I know who Scott Spiegel is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Scott Spiegel is uh, works with Sam Raimi. Um, Sam Raimi is also in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Raimi is one of the stock guys. Uh, the film is what you saw in the trailer. It's people hanging out in a grocery store that are murdered. However, it's super violent, and the killings are way over the top. Um, Bruce Campbell shows up at the end of the film oh, um, oh, as yeah. a cop. Okay. Uh, so it's basically Evil Dead with different guys making the movie but all their friends are still in it mm-hmm. um and yeah it's it's really fun it's super over the top um yes and there is a blu-ray uh for it this is how i discovered it um you know it, it's a kind of it's an older blu-ray i think maybe 2010 um but you know when you just type in i don't know sam Raimi or something and he pops up so he's in this one he's also a cult leader and thou shall not kill except mm-hmm. which is kind of the same guys just making movies. Right. Um, that that like, one I've heard of, but I've never even heard of Intruder. Yeah, it's it's great. And I, if I remember right, I think it was 
never released. <laughs> it was made in 1989 and then just dumped somewhere. Kind of just sat uh, around. Yeah, I can't remember the exact story it's, behind it. But it's very it's, similar to Society. Society didn't get released uh, in the U.S. in 89. It didn't get there until like 91. Yeah, then, uh, so. but it's fun. If you like, if you like slasher films. Do um, you think it's because that market was sort of drying up theatrically? Uh, more yeah, that, and I mean, I mean, Intruder is really uh, violent and over the top, so yeah, I yeah. think it, I mean, I guess a lot like society where it's hard for it to find an, I, I don't know yeah. if it ever will find an audience. Well, I think Intruder looks more traditional. <laughs> I don't remember if the Intruder's on like Severin or Blue Underground. It's not even like a great. Uh, Severin's great. Blue uh, Underground, I I can't remember. Yeah. You also got a thing like in 89, there isn't like a cult horror audience. True. Like people are just discovering these things at that, yeah. right. that time. And, and building the cults. Yeah. With their own two hands. But yeah, it's fun. Moves quickly. Like 80 minutes long. Cool. Killings in cool. a grocery store. Ooh. Check out Intruder. Yes. Please Brad. loan this to me. I want to watch yeah. this. <laughs> Wholesale slaughterhouse. <laughs> Um, like Friday the 13th Part 8, I discovered this movie while working at Hollywood Video. Um, it's surprisingly a good film that I didn't think was... I don't know how to sell this. <laughs> uh, my number eight is Lock Up. I'm going to miss you. Oh, come on. Pretty soon you're going to get so sick of seeing me around here, you get afraid to have some time alone. You know that? <laughs> You say, oh, please. Oh, no. Yeah, I know, I know. Hmm? Life was looking up for Frank Leone. I have a feeling I had more fun than you did this weekend. <laughs> I bet you did. In six short months, he'd be a free man. Yo, Frank! What'd you bring me? Hey, get out of here. I thought you were going to bring me a girl. What do you want? Take it. But someone from his past is about to turn back the clock. Welcome to Gateway, Leone. We've been waiting for you. He was a model prisoner at Norwood. Why did you bring him here? Routine transfer. I paid my debt. To the state, not to me. DTA. DTA. What's that, man? Don't trust anybody. Words are survived by. Come on. Come on. He won't be pushed. Everyone has a weak spot, Weber. Find his. Uh. Got something to say? Yeah. Say it, say it. First down. How could you keep an up attitude in a joint like this? Your body has to be in here, but your brain doesn't. Uh, looks like some delicious garbage stew. Just like mom used to make. That's why I shot her. What about you? We're going to be okay. I miss you. And I love you. We're here. And as long as we're here, we're going to stay his. You better believe that you're going to be doing hard time here the rest of your life. You won't break me. This is hell. I'm going to give you the guided tool. Sylvester Stallone. Lock up. Is it just me or is Stallone really good at confronting old people? <laughs> he does it a lot and it's pretty great. You're never going to break me. And in this case, it's Donald Sutherland with a fucking 
glorious mustache. That looks really good. So yeah, if if you ever wished uh, they'd cast the Shawshank Redemption with Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and Donald Sutherland, this is the movie for you. And I'm out. <laughs> oh no, I'm in all the way now. Yeah, uh, Sutherland is a corrupt warden, and uh, Stallone is a falsely imprisoned man, and uh, you know has to fight for his life to. Does he have a Morgan Freeman friend in this movie? Uh, yeah, Tom Sizemore yeah, killed Tom his mom. Sizemore, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah, no mercy. joke. Very, very similar. That's cool. Even plots a elaborate escape <laughs> towards wow. the end. Man, Andy so. Dufresne was my friend. Yeah, a little more on the nose though. No writing, yeah, but still awesome. Like I'm a big fan of '80s wrongly accused dudes in prison movies <laughs> like death warrant movie for you then. <laughs> yeah, and lock up yeah and they have to fight their way out and it's you know violent yeah i love violence i guess <laughs> uh, that's cool i've never heard of that movie yeah that's, i i hadn't either and it was on the shelf at Hollywood video it was like oh, that's stallone cool. that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah uh yeah and that that title treatment is neat whoosh lock up yeah <laughs> Yeah, the box art's cool, except for the Blu-ray version. It's, like, all oh. fancied up, and it's not as cool. Shitty. Anyway. That's my number eight. Nice. Oh, I start to move to the next menu. Cool. Zach? All right, my number seven uh, is a film that uh, I, I I got introduced to it via um, being a fan of Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. And they did a commentary for it, um, which is why I watched it the first time and ended up loving it on its own merits. Uh, it's a film that Ryan and I know is a classic, and I might be sweeping him, so I apologize, Ryan. Asshole. But my number seven is Roadhouse. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is Dalton. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, dog? Don't you like women? Worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Aren't you guys tired? I'll go get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my town. I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> you got your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. 
I love everything about this movie because it's so over the top. He's <laughs> done with the dancing. Now he's going to get dirty. Throat it's rips, people. Yeah, I mean, great tagline. Throat rips. Dude, that fucking throat mean, rip. Like the throat rip, uh, all the lines. It's, I heard you once ripped a guy's throat out. Polar bear did it. <laughs> That's my favorite line in that movie. Um, Roadhouse is about... Patrick Swayze being the best bouncer in the world. <laughs> have, I, have, I, have I mentioned well, how much I love like violence and in, <laughs> in a world in which bouncing is like the Jack Bauer of jobs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, totally. like seriously, I love that he's some like drifting bouncer who goes to different yes. bars who, to clean them up. Like, who, this who, one, it's gotten too clean here. It's somebody, I'm needed elsewhere. Who is incredibly polite while still kicking ass at the be same nice. time. Be nice. They, they, Don't be rude. Everything, like, he, when he announces the rules in the bar, which, like, for the oh life of me, God. I've seen this movie so many times, but I never remember the rules in order. I know mm-hmm. Ryan does. Um, uh, but, you know, too, isn't he offered, like, 50 grand at the beginning? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. To go save this shithole bar. bar yeah. <laughs> Which really shouldn't be saved. Like, all the people in it are pretty terrible. Are these people who are, like, offering $50,000 to go I mean. save a, a town. Of Half like... of them are trying to grope women in the bar. It's really right. uncomfortable. Yeah. But, no, um, and and Sam Elliott's his mentor. Yeah, Sam Elliott's Like, there are mentors. Who's fucking yep. judo mentor, this whatever. Is a, this is a career with mentors now. I don't now. fucking know. No, remember um, he calls Sam Elliott, who's at a strip club. Anything to get, you know, just gratuitous nudity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I... I mainly put it, you know, so like I I could have found a higher place I think, but I like the other ones above it more. Uh, but this is like one of the first cult films I like was aware of being a cult film. Like everything else before it, like I was like I like this movie. Oh, it has a cult. Cool. This one I had to specifically find the cult, and that via Kevin Smith and Scott Mosher doing that commentary on that like old MGM DVD. That, like, I'm sure is now transferred over to that Shout Select that they did. I don't remember. Uh, or maybe it is. I don't know. It should be. It's a, it's a hilarious commentary. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't have found out about this film if it wasn't for Smodcast and, like, being a fan of those guys. And now I just love it on its own merits. Like, it's an insane, like, 80s relic that has stood the test of time. And Patrick Swayze's great in it. Like, he is fun to watch. Like, yeah. I miss the hell out of that guy. I wish we still had him around. So Wait, what? Oh, Brad, I, I hate to break this to you. Um, Patrick Swayze died <laughs> like 10 years ago. Yeah. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was me. I ripped his throat out. <laughs> but it's okay. He's still a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's he's just he's just putting he's together around. pottery. It's fine. Yes. He's hovering around, sliding pennies up walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my number seven, Roadhouse. Yes. Yeah. Roadhouse. Cool. Polar Bear picked it. Uh, my number seven is the most pretentious movie on my list. Oh shit! Um, and it's really good, and people should see it. My number ten, or my number whatever this is, what seven? Number seven is the Dead Poet Society. Never seen it. The sequel to Society. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Tradition, honor, discipline, excellence, manners up. Welton Academy for Boys, a breeding ground for the future leaders of America, an institution dedicated to achievement, virtue, and conformity, a school whose rigid standards are upheld by every single teacher, except one. Come on, Mr. Overstreet, you twerp. Mr. Anderson, are you a man or an amoeba? Language was developed for one endeavor, and that is... To communicate. No! To woo women. Mr. Keating. Some people like to rock, some people like to roll, but moving in. 
Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams as John Keating, teacher. Well, is this a dagger I see before me? Philosopher. I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to him. Orator. Oh, Titus, bring your friend hither. And founder of the Dead Poet Society. A bunch of guys sitting around reading poetry. No. Ding. Thank you for playing anyway. What was the Dead Poet Society? The dead poets were dedicated to sucking the marrow out of life. Spirits soared, women swooned, and gods were created. Not a bad way to spend an evening, eh? I hereby reconvene the Dead Poets Society. To strive, to seek, to find. Gotta do more, gotta be more! Dare to walk a new path, dare to strike out and find new ground. I'm hearing rumors, John, about some unorthodox teaching methods in your classroom. Break out. I'm gonna do it! John Keating. He began by teaching English. Now, he's changing lives. I got the part! Tear out the entire introduction. Who put you up to it? Was it this new man, this, uh, Mr. Keating? Are we just playing around out here, or do we mean what we say? Vision, honor, discipline, rip, shred, tear. What is this dead poet society? I want names. This is a battle, a war. The casualties could be your hearts and souls. For the first time in my whole life, I know what I want to do. Medicine, law, business, engineering. These are noble pursuits. Poetry, romance, love. These are what we stay alive for. That's beautiful. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. Arbidius! Sit down. What the hell is going on here? Seize the day. Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams as John Keating. He was the inspiration that made their lives extraordinary. Dead Poet Society. Yeah, so this is totally the most pretentious movie on my list. Um, it is, but it's, a, it's a good it. movie. It's so good, and Robin Williams is amazing. And it's one of those that, like, I think gets slightly maligned by the things that everybody kind of knows about it. Um, and and it's if you go back and watch it now, it feels a little eighties, and you know. But um, but at the same time, if you go back and watch it now, it's also a really solid movie um, that's well done, and I think the story is really great. Um, it's just one of those that I I couldn't. I couldn't ignore because it's something that people should see. It's it's definitely one of the best movies from that year, um, and certainly one of my favorites. It's de- it's also one of those like, if you've, you know, got an English degree, this is like the the like masturbatory <laughs> like. Let's all tell how great is studying English. It's like life, guys. Uh, it's the best, <laughs> um, but uh, but it is so. I'm okay with that. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, it's great. You should see Dead Poets Society, Zach. That's another it's one I've, I i got to borrow from you then. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I've never seen it, just never have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. It's I a, found a way to love English regardless of having seen, not having seen it. So, right. You know? Um, so, anyway, uh, that's my number seven, Ryan. Uh, my number seven is with... Uh, one of my favorite actors with, who's teamed up with one of my least favorite directors. However, uh, the movie is really good because his performance is spot on. Oh. My number seven is the Vietnam War story born on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a good American. I wanted to serve my country. I couldn't wait to fight my first war. We got him! We got him! Open up! Let the word go forth. Daddy, the soldier! Every has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Your brother's a hard worker, Tommy. Win or lose. School, sports, life. As long as you do your best. That's what matters to God. 
First off, young men, let's get one thing straight. There is nothing prouder as a United States Marine. Our dad's got to go to WW2. This is our chance to do something. You should think about what you're doing. You could get yourself killed. Did you ever think about that? Help me, Jesus. Help me to make the right decision. Sometimes I just like to stay here and never leave. But I gotta go. 13,000 miles. It's a long way to go to fight a war. Don't you know what it means to me to be a Marine, Dad? Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted this. I wanted to serve my country. I want to go to Vietnam. And I'll die there if I have to. There's something happening in here. You gotta try and stay alive, okay? You hear me? Chicago has an Alice in Wonderland quality about it. Things are getting curiouser and curiouser. Come on, get up there, get up there. Keep going, keep going, come on. Stop, children, stop, everybody look what's going down. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's right. Young people speak in their minds. So much resistance from behind. We find way to stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look up. One, two, three, four. We don't want to sing it wrong. One, two, three, four. We don't want to sing it wrong. I am here tonight. We are here to tell the truth. People say if you don't love America, then get the hell out. Great, because uh, it you know it's before Oliver Stone was really weird. Oliver Stone, yeah, um, and <laughs> and I mean the film deals, and it it is true. You know, you at that time there was this pride in serving in the military. My dad was in the military at this time, and they went away and they came back and they came back to a world where they got treated horribly. Yeah, I mean, there's some really tough scenes in there about you know when Tom Cruise comes back from war and how he's treated at the VA hospital, stuff that's still true today, and. Yeah, it's really uh, sad and how you can um, and even the trailer, like actually really spoiler trailer. But um, it, he goes from, you know, this is what he wants to be. And when he comes back, he realizes that maybe they're fighting for the wrong thing. And he becomes uh, a protester for the war. And it, I believe it's based on a memoir. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I can't either. But I I mean, I I this movie is great. I didn't put it on my list, but. I liked Oliver Stone a lot when I was younger, like 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 it's still in high school before even like the more recent stuff, and th- his earlier stuff up till maybe about maybe ninety nine or something like that. He has a good way of balancing stuff. Like mm. JFK might be the exception to that. That's when he lost me. Well, see, like, but if you watch Nixon or even Heaven and Earth, like he has a good way of balancing his point of view with everything else. But I think as he got older, it doesn't. But this is like the prime example of how he's able to balance all angles of, of the yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a reason why he wins Best Director for this, like even the, though the film doesn't win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty astounding. So uh, That's a great film. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, And Willem Dafoe's great in it. Yep. Willem Dafoe's great in everything. Oh, yeah. Avenge me! Mm-hmm. Brad? Uh, my number seven is another malign movie that I think is great. Um, my number seven is uh, 
The Karate Kid Part 3. The time has come when a student must question. I know you don't believe in fighting, but this isn't exactly fighting, you know. Not exactly ping pong either. When a teacher must let go. Yagi always train you, but for tournament, cannot. When a conspiracy is planned. You said that if I beat this LaRusso kid in the All Valley Tournament, that you'd give me 25% of your new dojo. When a trap is set. You know how to front sweep? Uh, not really. Do you know how to sweep? Of course. Ah! All like me. Eh? Left to say? Right. It's no joke. I need your title. You don't enter? That affects my financial future, Daniel. Get it? Ah! You think you can rely on that crane crap? Last time you weren't fighting this. <clears throat> Mr. Miyagi loves you. He has faith in you. This guy wants to break you. Humiliate you. Stomp you into the ground. Yes. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I got problems. And if you're not going to be part of the solution, don't give me a hard time about it. No, the man must make a choice. And the kid must become a man. You are going to defend. You're getting in that ring. What am I doing? First he suffers. Then he suffers some more. Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita. A John G. Avelson film, The Karate Kid, Part 3. Oddly enough, also directed by uh, the director of Rocky. Uh, all three of them, actually, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's like so. Mal- it's like not even included on the... Like, there's a Blu-ray set of one and two. <laughs> <laughs> and I can understand, like, maybe the next the next Karate Kid not being on that set. Right, it's yeah. like a new character. But yeah, the third, they're pairing with the next... I don't know. Um, I think it's fine. It's like Part 3, so it's not just... You know, it, it's it's... It it takes over right after two, yeah. um, but the villain part is the weird thing because John put it best. It's uh, you know this billionaire millionaire a billionaire who has totally everything going right for him, but he decides to take time off to fuck with this <laughs> kid going into college because he beat his friend in a karate tournament in like <laughs> Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, such low stakes. Yeah. Um, it's like literally like a rich guy annoyance that just like consumes way too much of his time. You know, it's when strange. I, when I was young, I, I love the karate kid series. I, I mean, watching it, I remember him, you know, training in the dojo with the guy who's teaching him yeah. to be mean and, and break things and I, I vaguely remember this movie but I used to watch them all the time yeah and it takes a step further like the millionaire's plan is to uh, pretend to be his friend so he gets uh, um, I can't remember the kid's name right now Danny, Daniel LaRusso <laughs> uh, like all psyched up and uh, tries to turn him against Mr. Miyagi um, it's it's so elaborate and the, yeah it's diabolical and it's like, it's just a kid who won a karate tournament yeah how does <laughs> two the, years ago how does the bonsai tree come into it um i th- oh they uh teach him patience or something no they uh the the kid uh who's he's supposed to be competing against and he's refusing to fight eventually he and his gang like uh uh danny's convinced mr maggie to open a, up a bonsai store and they come in and they rough danny up in the bonsai store and break all of his bonsai trees mm-hmm. so uh to like get a new one i guess there's one on the california coast um so wow that's danny takes his girlfriend out there to go i literally remember that as like the climax of the film like the most important bit is like can he get this bonsai tree (laughs) it's all i remember it taught me to never try to open up a bonsai tree business (laughs) it's definitely more suspenseful than the actual end fight which i think is nothing like the first movie where it like builds up to anything it's just like they have a one-off and he wins. Sure. Like there's no crane kick or anything. It's yeah. just that Elizabeth shoe is way more attractive. Well, yeah. 
But yeah. So yeah, Cry Kid Part 3, my cool. number 7. Good one. I like it. <laughs> Fuck the haters. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Zach? Um, number 6. My number 6 is a film that I first saw in film school um, during a film expression class, and it stuck with me. Uh, it's a film in Italian, so Ryan, you can go to sleep if you want. I like a spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot when it's Italian films, you do the voice. Uh, my number six is... I know I like a spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Mamma mia, ravioli. Cinema Paradiso. Wahoo! Cinema Paradiso! Presenting Cinema Paradiso, the Academy Award winner for Best Foreign Film. Every night, the streets were empty because inside, lovers held hands, children laughed, and the routine of everyday life was forgotten. Because here at the Cinema Paradiso, someone is making their dreams come true. In this little town, the movies are more than just entertainment. They're a way of life. But to this little boy, they are life itself. For the Cinema Paradiso gave this little boy a father, a lover, and a future. Cinema Paradiso, where a young man shared his magic with the town he loved. Cinema Paradiso, the Academy Award-winning picture for Best Foreign Film, capturing the highest box office gross since my life as a dog. The film Siskel and Ebert gave two thumbs up, and Rolling Stone called magic, romantic, and fun. Cinema Paradiso, a celebration of youth, friendship, and the everlasting magic of the movies. So which version do you watch? The yellow <laughs> subtitled version or English dubbed? I watched the dubbed version with you doing that insulting accent. No, no I, if you watch it, the kid would be like, Mamma mia, I'm going to go to fight the Bowser in the town square. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Please tell, me that, please tell me that my life as a dog is also on your list a little higher up. No. <laughs> um, uh, Cinema Paradiso is a film about a kid uh, growing up in a small Italian village um, where his... Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Um, and I do like get this crap for it, but I do love this movie a lot. Um, he's He loves going to the movies. Everybody tell me. <laughs> <laughs> what? He loves going to wow. the local movie house. Oh. Uh, and he gets into an apprenticeship with the projectionist there. <laughs> God damn it. With the projectionist um, and meets a girl there. And it's about his life growing up. And basically he's... Told the over a pizza? No. <laughs> the film comes to the point where the projectionist who's been mentoring him has to really convince him to leave this town to pursue the dreams of making movies instead of just showing them. Possibly. Um, <laughs> uh, I... We sh- we had to watch it for film expression class. I had never heard of it. Um, I it's a long movie. Um, a foreign film that's long. What it is longer than most foreign films? Even it's there's like an uncut like four hour version. 
Um, but uh, I uh, I fell in love with it. I mean, like I don't watch it on mass. Like I mean, it's long. I don't have enough time to spend with it. But there's stuff that the director does in it that um, I appreciate from a visual standpoint of just like expressing one's love of cinema in a way that only a you can't describe it like the the theater comes alive the town comes alive like what that emotion means for not just movie making or anything like that but going to the movies like it's a it's a film that like in any other year probably would have been the number one because it taps into that love that i have for going to the theater like every week and it's like the enchanted tiki room of movie theaters Kind of, yeah. Like that's not even a joke. Like that's sincere. Right. Like and it and it's beautifully shot. Um, it's well directed. The performances are magnificent. Um, it, it's it's a film that actually Arrow Academy put it out on Blu-ray with like a huge deluxe edition that I still don't own. But um, cool. I, I would I would watch it if you have the time to kill and if you have the interest in it. Um, it's it. It's kind of like the artist where it's a movie like made in another country about a love of cinema that like transcends all all languages like it, it moves yeah. beyond that. Um yeah, it's I mean I I I like the the imagery of cinema paradiso sticks with me in a way that few movies can because it because it taps into something very primal for me. So anyway, what? cinema paradiso. Was his cool. girlfriend's name Sophia Pepperoni? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you do a mic drop. Just terrible. If you're gonna go through this joke, it's just, it's just terrible. Thanks cool. for picking my movie. Uh, my number six. My number six. Um, oh man, I laughed so hard at that Why fucking Marinara joke that I cried. <laughs> I like it. Um, asking, like, is it okay to play Weird Al's lasagna? <laughs> uh, um, my number six is one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time. Period. Uh, my number six is When Harry Met Sally. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him too. Greg? No, I don't like to eat between meals. <sighs> I'll roll down the window. A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I vary it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her about other women. Yeah. Like the other night. I made love to this woman, and it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. You made a woman meow? Sure. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last I night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then long story short, we, we did, did it. it. They did it. You challenged me. <laughs> I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. And I'm gonna be forty. <laughs> when? <laughs> Someday. In eight years. Men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. 
Oh, man. Uh, I wish. Really I, I feel shitty now not putting this on my list. You, yeah. Um, it's a great movie. Oh, this is a. It's a great film. Yeah, I mean, this movie, as for my money, sort of redefines the idea that, that the quote unquote chick flick can actually be like maybe one of the smartest movies you saw that year. I don't think it's um, a chick flick, even. This is 100% the same category as a chick flick, mm-hmm. but this is the smart version of it that isn't. Agreed. You know, talking down to women or pandering yeah. to stupid, you know, stereotypes or like this is actually a good movie about relationships and communication yeah, and gold. like, right? Ex- yeah, exactly. This is in the same genre as Fool's Gold. Failure to launch. Sorry, mom, but Fool's Gold is shit, and this is intelligent filmmaking. Well, because Nora um, Ephron didn't write Fool's Gold. Well, that was the problem. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, so many things about this movie are not just like great and a I can watch this movie anytime, any day, mm-hmm. but also like important for cinema. Um, yeah. On the written by a woman. Uh, actually about good communication a lot of the the things that they talk about in the movie are like yeah actually this is all really smart and like things people didn't talk about 50 years ago i mean it's not the um, only film that does it but it's one of the most important ones yeah 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 um, and it and it and it's a movie that you know does a great job of feeding you your medicine while also you know giving you enough sugar that you're like oh this is great oh like, this film's hilarious yeah like, like we just laughed at that whole trailer yeah. and yet you know everything they're talking about you're like yeah yeah <laughs> um I, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's I, well I shot. absolutely adore this movie. Yeah, I, I actually feel awesome. bad it's this low on my list, but like everything above it is is close to my heart. Um, that's that's basically yeah. Rob Reiner is like uh, yeah. It's basically why that and I have I honestly I haven't watched it in a while, but I do remember loving it. Yeah, and like and Estelle Reiner has <laughs> I was the just greatest, say. one of the greatest <laughs> lines in film history comes from <laughs> Mrs. Alan Brady, right? Um, and which is uh, great. Well, yeah, if I Hollywood Reporter put out the 100 best lines in movie history and Rob Reiner's films show up twice. And I think they're back to back. It's hello. I'm Inigo Montoya. And, yeah. um, and then and I'll, I'll have, have what she's, she's having. having. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's super iconic. The sto- oh, absolutely. The, yeah. the, the stories of like Carl Reiner did a memoir and he talked about Estelle Reiner doing that moment. And it's, it's actually one of the more beautiful like mm. st- parts of that memoir and whatnot. But yeah, I like Rob Reiner's movies ah, a lot. And even just watching the trailer here, you remember how how great those perform. I mean, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal is f- I- I- amazing. His pause after he spits the grape seed on the window is just brilliant. Oh, well, still like comfortable? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's How all does he not so know the window's good. down. Because it was a very clean window, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a he's standing right next. To he's a, like they're a, supposed to be stupid college kids in that scene. Billy Crystal so. is like a bird. He doesn't know that windows <laughs> are there. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, that's my number six. Cool. When you met Sally, great choice. Uh, my number six is our first repeat. Ooh, wow. Shit. Uh, my number six is Tom Hanks's The Burbs. Ah. Oh, cool. Um, sorry, Ryan. I don't care. Um, the this movie's fun. I. I always, at this point in Tom Cruise's career, uh, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks's career, he's always does like some dark movie or he, he plays so many different characters, but kind of the same. 
because uh, I mean Joe versus Volcano than this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just saw Turner and Hooch, where right. it's more of a family comedy, and it's almost like his character. At least now I haven't seen the Burbs, but like his performance from the trailer looks very similar. Yeah. It's just what's happening around him is very different. Yeah. No, I you agree. Know? I mean, even in when I was watching uh, the trailer for to- Turner and Hooch, and he's yelling at Hooch in the car, it reminded me of "There's no crying in baseball." Yeah. Oh you know? yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's a great actor, and uh, he does so many different and varied roles. Mm. Um, that you kind of just forget that he might be the same guy, but he changes him up just enough. Because in the Burbs, he's kind of an ass. Oh, he's uh, an asshole in this yeah. movie. And it's funny because that like that high pitched yelly Tom Hanks kind of goes away. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. once 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 Forrest Gump comes out, like you don't really get a lot of you know yeah. like his big dramatic roles. You get this very real grounded. You know, yeah, well, you goes, didn't see Larry Crown. <laughs> I saw Larry Crown. I'm just Crown. kidding. I don't remember. Well, he, he, if he, yells he goes. He goes away from uh, like the zaniness almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, his movies are still amazing. He's one of the greatest actors ever. Up, but... in, up until even Philadelphia, I think he's allowed to experiment more. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, now I mean, his movies are still super varied. I mean, he can. Oh yeah. He can, the circle. I just mean that there's not like that. Yeah. There's not that slapstickiness oh yeah no i agree there is yeah. in his early stuff. I, I, it would be i think he kind of uh gets that in his uh performance of woody and toy story he kind of goes back to yes, that you're yeah. uh, very right you're right yeah that, Man, uh, on the nose i i uh younger tom hanks the, yeah when the, he when he's sort of like you're a toy you're yeah. you're a child's plaything yeah. like that's very much that same voice you're right yeah. the, uh of all the yelling and the uh, the one quiet moment that he has that I love is like it's when they decide they're going to infiltrate the house. He's like, "I'm going over there, and I don't. I'm not going to come back until I find a dead body." Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Just, it's a really great intense moment. He's, it's one of those movies too. When I was a kid, it scared me mm-hmm. because it's so bizarre. Um, and again, it's Tom Hanks, so you you picture big. Or whatever, right, you know, right, exactly. Dragnet, Dragnet, <laughs> whatever. Um, but you can see my mom's confusion. No, I monsters and mazes. <laughs> I, I can say this: I remember renting that with my mom, and my mom, you know, she's she, my mom. I love that Tom Hanks guy, <laughs> and she's same, you know, thing. She, oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's 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 a tough sell, but I, I I enjoy it. And when you get older, you appreciate it for more than I did when I was younger. Yeah, cool, Brad. Uh, my number nine is questionable. Six or six is que- <laughs> questionable because um, I actually think it's probably an eighty-eight movie, but I think the U.S. release is eighty-nine. I, I'm following Box Office Mojo. I'm not sure what's going on. It's but okay. my number six is. <laughs> didn't you do this last year? <laughs> no, he didn't. I didn't. I know. I'm just. <laughs> In fact, you insulted. Oh, it's Akira. You didn't say Akira. Yeah, you- Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Streamline Pictures presents a state-of-the-art adventure. Akira.
Saboteur. This is one of the first animes I saw. This and Ninja Scroll. I still never and, seen it. Uh, animated beautifully. Yeah. And this is the one of the movies I saw where you realize more than Disney makes animated films. Um, yeah. I think I think I was probably a little too young when I saw it. Yeah, me too. I remember like like when that girl gets raped by the by the bikers and shit. I was like, this is un- I'm uncomfortable with this. Um, but which you know you should be. Yeah, I hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't. I wasn't like this is animated beautifully. <laughs> um, Very authentic animated rape scene. But you know you go into <laughs> <laughs> wow. I just mean like you go into it thinking like uh, oh I'm gonna get like an animated sci-fi movie. And then, like, it's actually this really dark, you know, I don't want to say film about society. (laughs) Society. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it is. um, You know, anyway. It's a new thing. It's about a society. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Rush is about a society. (laughs) It's an animated classic. Um, I think it, like, kicked off the, like, the American animation, like, people who love anime, like, this, like. This work crossover in America. I, I could be wrong, but it, no, it feels I, like it. I think I, it I, certainly became a lot more mainstream than yeah. yeah, mainstream, yeah. yeah. Um, and to be honest, it's probably taking me like six or seven viewings to kind of figure out the plot. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a um, lot of very traditional cyberpunk motifs in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. But really, the stand as the animation. Like, it's gorgeous to watch. It was at the Esquire, I think, last year for midnight. Mm. Seeing it again on the big screen is just like amazing. I always laugh when uh, me and James do the same sound at the same time and the same uh, pitch. We're both like, mm. 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 <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. that sounds like a waste of a night. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. I need to pick up the the Blu-ray at some point and finally watch it. It's always like ten bucks at Best Buy. Yeah, so, yeah. It's one of those things that like I, I should rewatch it, but but you won't. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty look at, but I still got I still got a few more episodes of Dragon Ball Z Kai to finish. So yeah, I'm I'm busy. Sometimes some movies you really got to get ready to yeah. <laughs> watch. Yeah. I have a beautiful copy of Schindler's List. It's never going to get watched again. Aww. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Zach? Maybe, oh, sorry. Uh, maybe it should have been on my 88, but it's also on the 89 yeah. list. So I, I think if you didn't put it, it on 88, then this is your... Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's your totally opportunity. Fair. This yeah. is your yeah. massive man. You probably <laughs> couldn't see it in 88. It was probably in Japan, in Japan, in Japanese. That's my there was guess. a lot of like Disney cartoons that we were released in 1989, like uh, reissues on box office. Motion. I'm like, should I put this on here just to be an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> I did not. Zach, Zach? cool. Uh, my number five is a biopic that I still really enjoy. Uh, my number five is My Left Foot. He astounded audiences in my beautiful laundrette, room with a view, and the unbearable lightness of being. Now. Daniel Day-Lewis gives the greatest performance of his career in a film about life, laughter, and the occasional miracle. My Left Foot. A great exhilarating movie, says Pauline Kael in The New Yorker. A titanic triumph, says Rex Reed. Intelligent and beautifully acted, says Vincent Canby in the New York Times. And Siskel and Ebert call it enormously entertaining. Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. One of the year's finest films. Daniel Day-Lewis, My Left Foot, the highly acclaimed film by Jim Sheridan. 
Wow. It's all about Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't know what the movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hits his head on like a soccer ball. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out, I've never seen that trailer for this movie before, <laughs> and that was hilarious. I know, I know, <laughs> I know you want one because I can find it. Um, uh, the movie, however, has funny moments, but it is a very serious story about Christy Brown, who is an Irishman born with cerebral palsy, who learns with the power of his left foot how to paint. Roundhouse. <laughs> and roundhouse kick people. That's the way you described that. It sounded so dumb. <laughs> he learns the power of his left, left foot. foot. <laughs> I know that's the, the synopsis of the movie. Yeah, I know, I know, like, I know. I go, that just sounds stupid. I know. I, I know. It's an inspirational story, which inherently sounds cheesy. Um, I mean, this is... I mean, Jim Sheridan's a great director, did The Boxer in America and a lot of other things, but um, this is the one I think he'll be remembered for the most, and it's obviously because Daniel Day-Lewis, one, wins his first Oscar for this, but yeah. also it's it's the most method he got up to that point um, where he was like sitting in that wheelchair for months doing this thing and like just staying in there, and we all know Daniel Day-Lewis will get into the role to the point of insanity. Um, and he's wonderful in the film. Uh, Brenda Fricker, who's um, also in the film, is magnificent. Uh, it's beautifully shot. I, I, I like the film a lot. Um, I, I, I haven't watched it as many times as the other films on my list, but it's a film that still sticks out to me. Like I enjoy a story of someone overcoming the odds and... Uh, and this one in particular, you know, like, I, I mean, I work at a thrift store that helps uh, physically and mentally disabled people. And so like a film like this, you know, means more nowadays than it probably did when I first saw it. Mm. So like just watching someone overcome those odds. So mm. um, I, I enjoy those kind of films. So, yeah, uh, number five, my left foot uh, definitely deserves to be on the list, man. Cool. Despite that hilarious that trailer. trailer that sells that, the... sells this as if though it's a fucking road trip movie. <laughs> say, speaking of movies that aren't comedies sold as comedies, like roll back to when when the when the title comes on. Beep do beep beep do my left foot. This this, so, this summer from <laughs> there is humor in the movie and the moment like one of the moments they are showing like does have like impact, but like it's right. this trailer is a wonder oh and my goodness i don't brilliant mind of harvey weinstein it, yeah it's like is right. this i don't what is miramax doing trying to sell it this way because they're gonna walk out of the theater going like oh that wasn't the romp at all uh, but anyway my left foot it's a great movie i don't know if anybody else here has seen it but um it's not. a great it's a great film cool very cool Ooh. mic drop <laughs> oh yeah number five number five number five uh my number five this is the only time that I think a Christmas movie will ever show up on one of my top tens. <laughs> my number five uh-huh. is... To be jolly, la 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 After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck! Oops. They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. Sorry. Oh, got a little knot here. Do work on that. <laughs> what he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. <laughs> oh, hell, there's plenty of room. Do you sleep with your brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is, Mom? Well, I'm sleeping with your father. 
Have you got a kiss for me? Eh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. He's got a lip fungus they ain't identified yet. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching. We were gonna call, but Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. Ah, we're really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead. More truly uplifting. Can I show you something? I'm just blouse browsing. Or more down to earth. Merry Christmas! If Santa is smart, he'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. Then Christmas with the Griswolds. Everybody come out quick, look at the lights! They want you to say grace. <laughs> Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. This year, let Chevy Chase light up your holidays. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. <laughs> you woo, crack up. There's very few movies I've seen in my life as many times as I've seen this one. Yeah, uh, it's a tradition. Because I've watched man. it every year for 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, at least once. Um, and I would totally disagree. I think there's what's weird is, now, of course, I know every line in the movie. What's weird is how many lines in that trailer are either not in the movie or are like edited weirdly or like ADR. But specifically, I know. I know. Um, no, there's oh, so many good sequels. Well, but even that whole thing where the where the great uncle is talking about like, oh, if, if Santa were real, he would you know do his best to stay the hell away from here. That that's not in the movie. Right. Um, but anyway, I adore this movie and and think it is the the best National Lampoon's Vacation film. Period. Like oh. it's my favorite. I like um, the first one a lot. I like this film a lot though for the scene in the. I attic. think it's European. Okay, that's interesting. You fucking troll. I'm yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Vegas is the second best for you, right? Um, but no, the scene in the attic where he's looking at the home movies, like it's funny because like, the first vacation doesn't really give you a glimpse into Clark's character that yeah. much. Like It does in a different way. A, this one's a, emotionally... Yeah, like, this is actually a good Christmas movie. Yeah, like, it and, is a, it's a good family story. Like, And if there's any arc in the vacation cinematic universe... Uh, it it comes from that scene in the attic with Clark like wanting to recapture memories, right? Um, and then you know, of course, he like beats the hell out of himself in the attic with like comic mishaps. Yeah, but, right. Um, it's still Chevy Chase trying to be funny. Yeah, and I know um, we were joking about Randy Quaid, but he is genuinely amazing. Oh, in the he's film. so good. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a good film. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I always anyway. wanted to get um, polish, you know, a sled and go really fast it's my that i hate that scene but every year i wish i could fast forward to that scene because <laughs> it's the most like slapsticky dumb but it's adorable yeah but as a kid you wanted to have the fastest slap oh, yeah i know as a kid i think i probably liked it yeah but as an adult i'm like this is stupid <laughs> can we get to the funny bit can we get the can we get to randy in a black dicky under a white t-shirt because it's great <laughs> um anyway that's my number five uh, my number five, I learned that I have a different sense of humor than everybody else in my family, and they never Ooh. understood uh, me. So my number five <gasps> is from a great artist who oh, I shit. love. Is, uh, 
Oh, shit. You're not the only one. Again? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, UHF. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. Ah! A man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat up the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Ah! Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie. So I totally programmed this as a summer blockbuster, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I've only seen this film movie. once, but it was amazing. I need to rewatch. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, like it's I, great. You know, I love these kind of movies where they're kind of spoofs. Um, the humor is totally stupid, but really funny, um, and that just proves that you're a brilliant writer when you can make something so silly as him get his cheek pinched and pulled, and his skin stretches out like silly putty. Oh, it's hilarious! Um, it makes me laugh every time i watch it it's your favorite twinkie wiener sandwiches <laughs> everything about like, like there's not a moment in that movie that you're not having a great time yeah like, it is so lean and hilarious it and it, weird it's it's a movie that <laughs> we I, I again i've only seen it once but i remember viewing it as like it's it's the film that takes you further into weird al's psyche than you'd ever thought you'd get it's like yeah. the perfect weird al movie oh, yeah. like because it is both it is a it is him spoofing other movies, but also inside of a thing that spoofs just everything and yeah. everyone. It, it and then it, but it also works really well and is a good, you know, well told little sometimes slightly emotional story. And, and it, like you're rooting for him. And it's a glimpse into him into a, the mind of a man who like has spent his life like sticking his nose to anything proper. Yeah. Um. While at the same time, like. He is a true artist. Well, and I, I think it's him. it's also quite often a pretty loving kind of letter, right? Like he's yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, you know, it's it's, it's so good. He's, <laughs> God, he's got that thing that you know the Zuckers or Mel Brooks has, where he's yeah. just like a, a a way to stick it while yeah, like providing some comfort. It's great. Brad, why is it on uh, number five on your list? Uh, it's weird and it's fun, and I, you know, everything that's already been said by the people who didn't put it on their lists. <laughs> um, <laughs> excuse me, it's just a little higher. That's all. A little higher. Yeah. It's on my list. You anyway. mean a little lower? N no. No, it's not. <laughs> you. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's coming so, back. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, um. Yeah. No, no, no. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's great creative. Yeah. Um, I wish he would do another one. Oh, God, I know yeah. this experience soured his <laughs> yeah. desire to make any more Weird Al movies, but I, I think you should give it another shot. I think he's at a different place in his career now. That and I think he could pull it off, too, because you know, when you go to his concerts and he does those little bits that he films for his concerts are pretty great, and he could yeah. easily transition that into a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Cool. Zach? Zach? All right. Um, we're in the top four now, and the top four are um, all films that are things I enjoy a lot and love revisiting. Uh, my number four is definitely going to be a sweep, but at least it's in the upper brackets. Um, it's a wonderful scripted film called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We're about to complete a great quest. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. Oh. This is it. Look, the shield is the second marker. We found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! Another way! A race across three continents. And in this sort of race, there's no silver medal for finishing second. Into the homeland of the enemy. Nazis. I hate these guys. Our situation has not improved. In his search for the Holy Grail. How dare you kiss me? Are you crazy? Don't go between them! Go between them! Where's my father? In the belly of that steel beast. Dad! Junior! You call this archaeology? The quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. Those people are trying to kill us. I know, Dad! It's a new experience for me happens to me all the time indiana jones and the last crusade have the adventure of your life keeping up with the joneses <laughs> i don't know it's not number one but whatever <laughs> i mean i don't know anything um no it it i mean it should be a number one but i already know <laughs> i already know what your number one is and i'm really already disappointed in you yeah um uh, <laughs> no but um uh it, it, it's i it's <sighs> I, I think Indiana Jones, like, out of all the films, up until Crystal Skull, this was the one I watched the least, and I don't know why. Like, I revisited uh, all all four of them uh, last year at some point, and this one was the funniest of the scripts um, for me. Like, And it's partially thanks to Sean Connery and Harrison Ford doing their banter back and forth. Um, but there's so many fun elements to this. Like, I love the father-son story. Um, I enjoy the the adventure for the Holy Grail, um, the finale at the end with with choose wisely or like he did not choose wisely is amazing and um, Indiana Jones like coming face to face with Hitler is pretty hilarious. Great. Um, it it's a um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful third entry in a series because like and it it's a great that it brings back the lightheartedness because like I love Temple of Doom but Temple of Doom is depressing, um uh and dark dark and yeah violent yeah. um and especially if you know where those guys were in their lives when they made the film oh yeah, yeah uh yeah. it makes it that's what makes it depressing sometimes but but I love Temple of Doom uh, mm -hmm. Last Crusade I think it's but I still think it's it's the second best. Indiana Jones movie made, but it's my third favorite. 
So that might be why it's as low as it is on the list, but because I like Temple, I like Temple of Doom more. Oh, well, because so, I, because I have co- hap- a couple things. I I blacked out there for a second, but I because what I was thinking was about <laughs> the truth is we should show kids Temple of Doom, or we should show kids the Indiana Jones movies in chronological order. We should show them Temple of Doom first, and then Raiders, and then that's Last a good Crusade. idea. Yeah. Like because because Temple of Doom is great, but if you've seen Raiders and, and Last Crusade before you see Temple of Doom, it's a little disappointing. It's, it's a like, disappointment, it's the less, right? But if 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark is the sequel to Temple of Doom, you're like, oh, these are great. Yeah, like it would. It suddenly becomes like a perfect trilogy that just keeps getting better over time. It's almost like, like if you show them Phantom Menace though, first right? and then show them Star Wars. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, all right. Come to my basement. I don't want to talk to you right now, but you know, <laughs> Last Crusade being you know without argue like the best written uh, Indiana Jones movie, right. like period, um, and so therefore really the best Indiana Jones movie, even though not my favorite. Um, yeah, I, it's it's great. Yeah, maybe it, we'll talk about it some more later. No, no, I know we will. And it's yeah. but it's an amazing film. I had to get it on this list. Uh, of course, of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. Because you didn't want to get it. Just wants to make me mad. Oh my Steven's god! Like that. I, I, I just had to get it on my list somehow. My number four is a repeat. It's UHF. Yeah. yeah. You're so close to doing a triple tag. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, if you guys put it high enough, I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry you guys really like Turner and Hooch, but I put it where I thought it deserved to be. Um, yeah, UHF is great. Heck yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, it's fun. Like, I I enjoy it. It's one that I don't think I saw until I was like 13 or 14, which I think is appropriate because you, if you hadn't seen some of the movies he's referencing, in fact, I don't yeah. think I'd seen any Rambo movies when I saw it. Wow. Which is probably where the Rambo part was the least funny to me. <laughs> and then I saw Rambo and was like, this movie's hilarious. This is like UHF. <laughs> A movie ahead of its time. Yeah. Oh, very much so. So, right? Uh, my number four is also a repeat. Um, my number four is, you know, pain doesn't hurt, guys. My number four is Roadhouse. Oh, oh I, I am genuinely sorry. That is a big sweep. That's oh. it. It's all right. Uh, it's a fun it's movie. It's Roadhouse. Like, yeah. come on. It, it, uh, it, it's high on my list because it's super entertaining. Yeah. Um, it's such a stupid, not on, awesome. You know, oh, this movie's so great. It deserves, yeah. it deserves all the accolades it gets. Um, but, yeah, no, it's because it's hella fun. It's, yeah. it's that one action film from the 80s where, like, I don't like all the ones that you guys like one up, but this is one where I'm just like, no, this has to be on a list. Yeah. Like it's that nuts. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I love it, man. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he, yeah. you know, yeah, I love when he throat rips that one dude Ugh. and he's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I yeah. need in my life. Just lots of yellings. Roadhouse fuck is you. great. <laughs> yep. What a silly, awesome movie. Yep. Polar bear picked it again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Brad. Um, so the theme of my list is, uh, I have a lot of, there's a theme now malign movies That's true. <laughs> that I like and other people don't. And my number four is from a relaxing vacation on earth. Greetings, Captain. I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation <laughs> to the most perilous reaches of space. Only one crew dare travel where no man has ever gone before. We'll need all the power you can muster, mister. On a desolate planet, a renegade Vulcan seeks ultimate knowledge. To find it, we'll need a starship. 
And he will stop at nothing to get it. I dreamt that a madman had taken over the Enterprise. <laughs> you look like you've just seen a ghost. Perhaps I have, Captain. Our destination is the planet Shakari, Eden, at the center of the galaxy. The center of the galaxy can't be reached. If you ask me, and you haven't, I think this is a terrible idea. We're bound to bump into the Klingons. Remain on course. To Kirk. He's a fanatic to be fought. You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. I say that danger is an illusion. To the crew. He's a mystic to be followed. Cyborg has simply put us in touch with feelings that we've always been... I have to get back to the transporter. To Spock. He's the past he must confront. Shoot him! You know. Spock, my only concern is getting the ship back. And you're either with me or you're not. Put him in the brig with Captain Kirk. I'm a prisoner on my own ship. What are you standing around for? Do you not know a jailbreak when you see one? Mr. Scott, you're amazing. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Emergency channel open. Hostile force has taken control of our vessel. Put us on a direct course with the Great Barrier. Understood, Enterprise. We are dispatching a rescue ship immediately. Bird of prey bearing 105, Mark 2. Let me do something. Mr. Sulu, full ahead. Transfer power to warp drive. Warp speed now. The greatest Enterprise of all is adventure. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Uh, I still like it. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's not one of the best Star Trek movies, but you know, that's still better than a lot of your it's other average Star movie. Trek movie. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it, you know, there's the whole budgetary thing of how the finale was supposed to be with this rock monster or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably would have been more visually interesting than the, the end that exists. But I think given, you know, a lot of movie making is problem solving. I think it's probably the best way you could go. Yeah. Um, and uh, even, you know, they did it well in galaxy quest where they fought a rocket monster. Right. They yeah. did. They, um, they gave us what we were waiting for, but, uh, you know, it probably would have been ultra silly in this movie. Um, so I don't know. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I, I think James and I were joking about it a week or two ago, but I love this film as a star Trek movie. I don't really like it as a movie, but, I like it as a Star Trek story. Um, uh, one of our comments, because um, it wasn't a like uh, send your list in, but one of the comments was from my friend Billy from uh, Burbank, and he said uh, that he wished that there was more Cybok stories, and I don't disagree with that. I like the idea of Cybok as a character, um, and that confrontation that he and Spock have in their lives. But like, I mean is it the story I want the most out of Star Trek? No. <laughs> and that's kind of what this movie is for me. It's like, it's not the Star Trek story I want, but it's good. It's funny. Cause as we argued about it the other week, I was like, well, is it, is it the worst original Star Trek movie? And you know, we're going back and forth about like, okay, is, is this worse than Star Trek one? Which one is worse? And then uh, afterwards I was like, Oh, but all, 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 part of what that makes me realize is like, f- especially in the, in the OG Star Trek movies, there's really not a bad like there's not a no. bad bad one. I mean, yeah. Star Trek one is probably my least favorite because it's the least watchable because it's so slow. But yeah. it is also the most cinematic, so therefore it like gets yeah. Some like points. there's some really cool stuff in there, but you know, 
but I also want to fast forward through all the space doors. Right. Um, and yeah, each of them right. have their own benefits and yeah. strengths. Like, I mean, Final Frontier of, has, like, a fun atmosphere to it. Part of it is when you smash this movie between Voyage Home and uh, six. Uh, and six Undiscovered like, Country. Undiscovered Country, you're like, oh, shit. Like, those two, Undiscovered Country, my favorite, um, you know, for a lot of people's favorites. Uh, I mean, they're just so damn good. I just feel like Star Trek's at its best when it's, like, taking... Either they're aping something from an episode of the of a show, or they're sure. yeah. um, like dissecting something about modern culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is when Star Trek has its best, and when they try to do things that are just contained within its own universe. I think that's where mm-hmm. you know, like Khan comes from the series. Voyage Home is about environmentalism in right. the eighties. Six is about Cold War in the eighties. Right. Um, so this was more about like you know God being. Spirituality, well, it's a it's religion, a religion one, which there is a lot of in the original series. I mean that 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 comes up. I mean it's not. It's uh, like yeah. God being number five hundred, but it's not like immediately <laughs> relevant, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but also the the five is great because it also I think it does more. Like you get to look into what drives each of the characters more, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though the Spock one's kind of silly because yeah, Sarek has always been kind of um, adverse to him, like for being half human. Yeah, but like the scene is. Uh, you know, it's literally, he's being born, and like they're presenting the baby to him, and he's just like, ugh, human. Like, like he's surprised that he's half human. Like he doesn't know that he married, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a human. Yeah, yeah, a baby. It's such a weird like. <laughs> this isn't directed properly. <laughs> like, yeah, this makes sense. But the one before he knows he's coming out as human. He, he this, was right? he was hoping that the Vulcan genes would be so powerful. Yeah, but the one before that though, with uh, Bones' dad is uh. Yeah, is emotional and can hit to the core. Yeah, some rare bones backstory. Yeah, um, it is convenient though. Like the, the next day, they found a cure. <laughs> yeah, like oh, yeah. T- terrible. That'll uh, teach I love you. It. Um, so yeah, Star Trek Five. Cool. Yeah, worthy of my four. I like Star. I, I like Star Trek. Yep, that movie exists. <laughs> Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you watched it. Sure, yeah, I wasn't sure if you watched it. You did a binge of them, right? Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Zach, my number 3 uh is appropriate for the logo that selects these movies on our DVD here. I hate <laughs> you. <laughs> you you equal opportunity offender you. Yeah. My god. Taking y'all down. <laughs> my number 3 is Batman. And what do you do for a living? Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. You look fine. I didn't ask. I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Where did he get those wonderful toys? 
My life is really ah! complex. Yeah, uh, eighty nine Batman. Um, I, uh, I yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> middle finger. Um, no, I loved Tim Burton a lot, and that's how I got into Batman. Um, eventually, like reading comics after that. But this film, Batman Returns and Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, were very big staples in my life. Like this one, probably more so than any of them, other than maybe Forever. Um, it's. I think it's great that Tim Burton took Gotham City and literally brought it to life. That production design is incredible. It's amazing. Um, Jack Nicholson's performance still astounds me. Um, even though we have Heath Ledger, like Nicholson still blows me away because it's, it's, it's a fun and terrifying performance all in the same breath. Um, even though it's aged, um, I think I, when I first saw it as a kid, I was freaked out. Um, although the penguin probably freaked me out more. Yeah. Returns. Returns is way more creepy. But, but I I mean, like it's also some of the things that like Nicholson's Joker does in this film, whether it's like deforming his girlfriend's face or like taking her up to the bell tower as kid, as a kid, those things terrified me. Yeah. Um, uh, and also this film, um, uh, I don't think I've seen a film in a theater more than this film other than maybe back to the future because of all the flashback screenings that have commenced over the years. And like, I think I've been to, to Brad with this film at least three times, uh, whether it's a midnight or under a flashback. I never, I remember in, I would, it was literally five years ago. Uh, we went with Cougar, um, Littlefield where he dressed up as a Joker, Brad dressed up as Batman. And we went twice in that weekend, Mm. um, that it was playing, uh, and I have fun going back to watch it um, like every time on the big screen because it does still feel like an event movie, even though obviously it's aged and it's not the best Batman movie ever made. But yeah, it is. Or at least. But OK. <laughs> All right. I mean, for I other it, people. But... <laughs> um, but yeah, I still think it's fun. It's still worth a watch. I think it still works. I know it feels campier today, but I've been able to watch things more in context. And I, I mean, I would. If I had been like old enough in '89 or existed in '89 <laughs> and saw this as a kid, like I would have like been like any other kid, like buying the Batman cereals, buying the Batman toys, buying the Batman video games, right. all those things. Like it, it, it's a great film. I think it's it's not my favorite Tim Burton film, but I think it's 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 the film that Tim Burton's still riding on to this day. Like he's the one who, and like anybody who's upset about superhero movies, like I don't want you to blame Marvel anymore. Go blame Tim Burton because he's the one who starts this whole mess. Mm. If you really want to think about it, because he's the one who makes it profitable. Uh, but yeah, number yeah. number three, Batman. Yep, that movie exists. Marvel's the one who made it profitable <laughs> and good. Yeah, I, I always have an. I, I yeah. It holds a place in my this heart. This movie has a place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just not your top not ten. On my, not, not on my just, list. Just not on my top ten. Yeah. It's your number 11. If uh, <laughs> It is. It really is. Right. If, if, if it, 
if we're doing, I mean, if know, not for if it were, goalies, if it, yeah. If it were ninety-two and it was returns, uh, returns would be on my list. You'd be seeing Susie oh, yeah? and the Banshees yeah. face to face. Oh, it's me. Uh, okay, um, yeah, wake up. So my number three is kind of like a movie for Brad's list, sort of. This is a movie that a lot of people kind of shit on as being the weakest of its of its series. Um, but as a kid, it was my favorite one, and I I see the cracks now. But I still think this is a a fantastic time and and one of my favorite like you know franchises of all time as well. So my number two or my number three is again? Uh, <laughs> this movie. Oh, snap. it's really it's really hard to not say the title. No, I know. Oh, we're trying to not say the titles, right? It's a tag team review. I'm doing this one with you. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the future? You've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Are we back? We're back. Future? October 21st, 2015. Marty, we're going to be able to see our wedding. Wow. Future. I got to check this out, Doc. Look what happened oh. to your son. <laughs> He's a complete wimp. Don't talk to anyone. Yelping, looking, pop. Hey, look. No. Don't touch anything. I need to borrow your hoverboard. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Try not to look at anything. I didn't invent the time machine to win at gambling. I can't lose. I invented the time machine to travel through time. Hey, Doc, I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? Now, the time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat lips, slackers! Biff? Hello? Hey. Hello, anybody home? Why well, that can't be you? You're so big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> Michael J. Fox. More like a couple of teenagers, you know? And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future, Part 2, coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere. Still waiting for Jaws 19. Man, like, that was the thing. When I was a kid watching all those sequences where they go into the future, where I was like, this is the cool, how is it that people think this is not the best of the three? <laughs> I can't like, wait this for is this so future. Great. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah um... That's so good. Man, uh, like Back to the Future One is obviously the best movie of the batch. Even it's though the I think they're all tightest, like yeah, basically yeah. one long movie. Yeah, but like true. this is the one that got me into the back into Back to the Future. Like right because all the future and everything. It's so and, it's so creative and all of the like bouncing around and multiple timelines and all that shit and the fact that they make it palatable to like you know a family friendly like action adventure movie. You're like how how did you pull this off? Yeah. Um, but it's so much fun, and those characters are so good. Uh, and how they, throughout the whole series, how 
they do the same things, but they're just tweaked yeah. a little bit, so they're not repetitive, but in, like still entertaining. It's... And this has got to be visually the most impressive one. That whole third act with him, him following him from the first movie, mm, and yeah. and like interacting yeah. with the first movie is some of the most incredible shit filmmaking wise. Like it's unbelievable. I mean, you said it while we were watching the trailer, but that shot where he runs through the door, right? Like and smacks himself in and the smacks face. himself in the face is so good. Yeah. Ugh. And they recycle um, stuff like shots for, um, like unused Chris shots from the, from the first movie. And, movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like um, it, they say in the, in the bonus features, like how much of a rare opportunity is to go back and see the, a movie you made, like a Hollywood big budget movie from a different angle. Yeah. Um, Ugh. so it's just incredible. Um, such a fun movie. It's man. It was really fun. My uh, my folks for some reason they never showed me Back to the Future one or three. Like I found those later. For some reason, as a kid, they showed us Back to the Future Part two only, <laughs> and I was confused the entire time. And so for years, I hadn't really like wanted to watch Back to the Future until I was like maybe thirteen or fourteen. Sure. So, like so, it's like one of those. But I remember like. The hoverboard chase, Jaws nineteen. You have to have power. Yeah, uh, the the cool Pizza Hut oven that I always wanted. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, oh those gosh, are things. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a great film, and I, I was like six channels at once. Yeah. <laughs> How, why can't I do that? Yeah. I mean, I kind of can. <laughs> I got. I can get two on my TV. I can get one on my laptop. I can get one on my phone. There you go. You just tape them together. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm still um, waiting for rehydrated pizza. Yeah. Oh gosh, rehydrated pizza. Yeah. Um, also, uh, in two, in the Cafe 80s, there's the Wild Gunman game, which is a joke yes. that pays off in the third one. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, it's oh, almost yeah. as if Zemeckis and Bob Gale are really good writers. Uh, th- th- those movies tie together so incredibly yeah. well. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Sheesh. Man. Yeah. And I think this is um, uh, <laughs> the the Biff tour de force because he gets oh, yeah. to play like older and younger versions of himself and then... Yeah. Trump version of himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't like that part. Right yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that, that part used to be funny. Yeah. He's, he's coming to, he's coming to Denver pop culture con. I, he's the one back. We should to the get future. him to sign photo, like headshots of Donald Trump. I, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I respect him too much, but I love his performances, Biff. So, uh, yeah. throughout the entire series, I think it's one of the best villain performances in movie history. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty amazing. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's a good film. Yeah, it's that scene. Film. That scene, like on the on the roof, where oh, where, yeah. where evil future Biff, where evil future past Biff is like hunting him down. Oh man, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my number three film is a film I loved as a kid, and I didn't realize how kind of inappropriate it is for a child to watch this movie because uh, there's lots of cursing and uh, silliness that happen, and being a sports guy. Uh, I really enjoy it. My number three is Major League. Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. 
Don't you have any proven Major League talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. This year, the Cleveland Indians have a multi-talented team. The first offering just a bit outside. They're masters of the sacrifice. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. One old chicken, just like you said. The double play. Excuse me. I have a much better body than she does. Thank you for me, she really does. And the pickoff. Every time we win, we peel a section. Tom Berenger. Zip around your skirt stuck. Use your imagination. Charlie Sheen. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. Corbin Burnson. And Bob Euchre. Hey, with swings and crushes one towards South America. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. <laughs> Glad you got this. Yeah, it's list. a silly movie. Uh, just another one from when I was younger that I absolutely adored. Um, you know, my I always love jokes in films that are kind of silly. And one of my favorites in this movie is they all go out eating to a fancy restaurant. And Charlie Sheen is there, and he has a leather jacket with cut-off sleeves, and he has a cut-off shirt as well, mm-hmm. and he has a tie around his neck. And they tell him, hey, maybe Topper, relax. <laughs> Not Topper, that's from Hot Shots. He <laughs> um, realizes, I can't. I feel like a goddamn banker in this. <laughs> Stupid. Um, and it, it's, a, it's about a team, the Cleveland Indians, where they want the owner wants them to lose. So that so, they can relocate. Yeah, so they can move. However, by doing that, she gets all these scrubs, but they start playing really well together. And the heart of the movie is Tom Berenger's character, who's a catcher, who's kind of over the hill, but uh, is a good dude. And they try to make it work. And it's it's fun. I know it's like a, on, a long running like Internet wish, but I'd like a major league, like another major league movie. I, I think it'd be fun. Yep. Yeah. I like it. I know that's pretty hard with one of its stars, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All real sports, they're trading out players all the time. So yeah, yeah. I don't know why you guys. Or you could, yeah, just get a different it. sheen. Like yeah, it's it's fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yep, major league, cool. Zach, number two. Uh, my number two takes place on the hottest day in Bedford Stuyvesant uh, in 1989. Uh, my number two is do the right thing. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother's sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. Sal's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with the sun. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, hey Sal, I'm going to put up on a wall here. You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about them pictures? You talk some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Ah! Thank you. 
here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You like to sign a petition to boycott Tao's famous pizzeria? Hear me what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. You know, deep down inside, I think we wish you were black. <laughs> Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you to walk on my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? I can't even hear myself think! From Spike Lee, director of School Days, and she's gotta have it. Good people, please! If we don't stop this, we can stop it now. We're gonna do something we're gonna regret for the rest of our lives. Doctor? Come on, what? What? Always do the right thing. That's it? That's it. I got it. I'm gone. Yeah, uh, a film that's been discussed a lot within the past week. <laughs> um, but a film that uh, I, when I was in high school, we had a writing on film class, um, which you had to get the permission slip uh, filled out by your folks to watch the films that were selected because this uh, teacher I had, uh, Scott Esserman, um, chose films that were challenging. Um, so we and, and also some ones that were just like, interesting like moonstruck we watched annie hall uh shawshank redemption yeah um a lot of stuff do the right thing though is the one that stuck out the most in that class um uh, the assignment we were given for that film was to answer the question did mookie do the right thing (laughs) which is impossible to ask a junior or senior in high school who has only just seen this film and hasn't really looked at the rest of the world um and the only other Spike Lee film I had seen before this was Malcolm X, um, which I saw again for school um, on my own volition, though. Um, but Do the Right Thing, I it's it's really the film that gets me into going into Spike Lee's filmography. But also it's a film I go back to a lot uh, within the context of independent filmmaking and also how you tell an ensemble piece. Um, I think the film sadly is still relevant but not for the same reasons that it was back then. Um, Well, similar ones. Um, I don't think everything about the police in it is still relevant, but I think there are parts of it that are still relevant. The bigger relevancy for me in Do the Right Thing is honestly just the interactions between the people in the neighborhood. It's everything before the finale. Mm. Um, The scene where they zoom in on everybody and they're doing different racial slurs that everybody is... uh, it's it's a definition of what we're sadly still going through um but um there's also there's something that spike does in this film that i think is absolutely genius which is he weaves in and out of anybody doing the right thing in any given situation and a a lot of people fail but some succeed uh ossie davis plays the mayor in the movie which is he's just a drunk bum who like wanders around town and does odd jobs for beer money uh, but he saves a kid from being hit in the street by a car, and th- that is what endears him to a woman who earlier in the film spits in his face and despises him. Mm-hmm. Um, consequently, on the other side, you have uh, uh, bugging out the character who wants the boycott to happen, uh, getting angry at the man who lives up the block, uh, who lives in the brownstone house, 
just because he scruffed his new Air Jordans. And it's one of those things where, like, the things that Bugginout is saying about, like, why'd you move into my neighborhood are, like, you know, in from my point of view, like, it's just like, oh, you're just getting angry at a guy because he accidentally scruffed your shoe. But it's, like, the tension and the heat of the day. Um, and the the two characters that – I rewatched it this week, and the two characters that stick out to me are um, – uh, Smiley, who is a character who is, is a slow character that sells pictures of M- Malcolm X and Martin Luther King on the block. Um, and his arc through the movie is like scattered, but interesting. And Bill Nunn, who I didn't realize this in spider in the Spider-Man movies as Robbie Robertson from the uh, yeah. Daily Bugle. Didn't remember, but uh, Bill Nunn passed away recently, but he is oh. the most, one of the most important characters in this film not even just for the things that happens to him, but also the things beforehand in the story, like his speech about love and hate is still an amazing speech. Mm. Um, and when I first saw the film, I was impacted by it. Uh, as I keep watching it though, I start crying throughout the movie more often because I know what's going to happen to these characters and they mean a lot to me. Um, and Danny Aiello is amazing in this film. Like it is a truly incredible performance that, uh, if it wasn't for another performance this year by a guy who would work with Spike Lee later on, uh, Denzel and Glory, I would have said Danny Aiello should have won that Oscar. Um, mm. But especially with this film and this year with Black Klansman, I think the most important thing is like we're still talking about do the right thing all this time, and I don't know anybody who's talking about driving Miss Daisy. So that's sure. that's that's what my the- mom. <laughs> okay, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but well, but so- driving Miss Daisy won the Oscar this year, so it's really. Still relevant. Oh, you mean Green Book uh, Origins? Yes, yeah. yes, I know. But anyway. Oh, history um, repeats itself. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah, if we're not careful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do the right thing. I, I still think it's an amazing film, um, and uh, it looked great on Blu-ray recently, so I would check it out if you can find that 20th anniversary edition on Blu-ray. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you for letting me talk. No, it's, that, it's still probably the best Spike Lee movie. Yeah, and it's the quintessential truth, Ruth. Yep. Me. <laughs> My number two? My number two is, this is the second time John Hughes has showed up on my list. This is also my favorite John Hughes film and my favorite John Candy film. My number two. Where do you live? City. You have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? I'm your dad's brother, all right. Russell had always been the black sheep of the family. I'm stunned that I'm related to you. Until one night. Buck, we have a problem with the kids. We're stuck for somebody to watch them. Oh, please, not that. Can we trust him? My brother, for God's sake. I won't let him get into that Satan stuff or any of the new chicks. I'll leave that for me. Wow. (laughs) I'm kidding, huh? Now, he's making them breakfast. Cigar? No, thanks. Making them lunch. And making them crazy. What did you do? He's irresistible. I want to ask you why I'm so attracted to you. I I wouldn't even guess at that. He's unbelievable. I'm Anita Horgar. I'm Buck Melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. He's Would you just let John Candy give me, give me, give me. as Uncle Buck. What does he like to drink? I've been leaving the, the toilet seats up. 
Is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Uncle Buck, the new comedy from John wow. Hughes. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. Well, nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. Coming soon to a theater near you. Man, so little of the good stuff is in that trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um I adore this movie, and I always have. Um, this is the one that, like, uh, Cards on the Table also makes me cry just because the last shot of John Candy is so beautiful. Yep. Um, but I adore this character so much. And what's great about Uncle Buck is, uh, you know, John Candy is brought in to watch these kids, and he's like the rapscallion uncle, right? But what everybody misses is that he actually has this really great, like, you know, um, zero tolerance moral center where anytime that anybody comes after these kids or does anything that is like clearly just them being shitty, but in a normal, like regular life kind of way where the clown is drunk, the teacher at school is, is entitled and, and self-righteous and like all of these things that are normal things that people end up facing and he just has nothing to do with it. It's like, no, fuck this. Like, um, and the way that it really is just, you know, telling the story of how he endears himself, even though he's, you know, the, the black sheep of the family, um, endears himself to these kids. Well, at the same time, he doesn't even realize that he has that center because he's got, I mean, that scene when he gets, when he has to go to the, to the, to the horse race, um mm-hmm. and and he's like I'm I'm just gonna take the kids to the track with me I don't have another option and gets them in the car like it's such a like rough moment for this guy that you really like um I I just adore this movie I mean it it is um all of the heart that I love about trains planes and auto- automobiles all of the like fun family character bits that I love about you know Home Alone um I I just Oh, man, this is one of my absolute favorite movies um, that I still love and watch all the time. <laughs> it's a it's a film with a performance that I don't know how it was perceived at the time because obviously I wasn't there. But it's a film where I'm like, why not? Why, how is John Candy not nominated for something like this in like yeah. a bunch of different awards? It's a truly complex and interesting performance. Well, and then the girl who plays Tia is like, I think that's her name. Yeah, the the older sister yeah. mm-hmm. um, is great, and her whole plot as well of like you know just being this sort of rebellious teenager and kind of for good reasons because her parents are kind of yuppies, like and how Buck kind it, of both relates but reacts to it exactly right. Yeah. Like he's like, no, I understand where you're at, but at the same time, I also know where this goes. Yeah, and the, none of this is any good. Um, it's, a, it's a character <laughs> trope and a character arc that I enjoy thinking about and when i see it in films yeah or if like you want if you're inspired to write and you write something of that i will go back to that kind yeah. of thing i don't know if it's this is the origin point but this is one of the best ones to do it it is like it it's also such a under uh underappreciated john hughes film right like everybody talks about 16 candles and Bre- breakfast uh breakfast club and like those to me are like the least watchable of his films like this is actually where it's at. Like, this is where he's like firing on all cylinders, making like great. Con- and I mean, that scene between John Candy and Macaulay Culkin, which in the trailer, not even as funny as it is in the movie. Yeah. Um, partially because they put that, you know, the the cop music underneath it, and you're like, that, no, stop. That's not what's great about that scene. <laughs> yeah. What's great about that scene is that there's this five year old who is like 
grilling him anyway. Um, but it, it's a good job of selling it. But, yeah, sure. You know, but, uh, you but it, it actually like takes the piss out of that scene almost. That's the, um, that scene is the whole reason we were compelled to watch it as kids because that was the scene they'd show oh, on sure, the Disney yeah. Channel or ABC Family or whoever right. was showing it. Like that's how you get the kids because Home Alone, right. like right. Home Alone, yeah. was the, the entry. It still point for and us. it still has that like um, wacky sensibility where you're like, okay, how how the fuck do you get a griddle? What house is this got a griddle big enough for those pancakes? What is going on here? James, I don't care. He but made a giant exactly. pancake. It doesn't matter. Like, the fun of those moments, and here's this guy, like, trying but doesn't know how to try, and, you know, it's yeah. it's just great. Ryan, um, you've got I that space that in front of your house. Let's build an addition. A giant griddle. And build a giant grill. Done. Make just those pancakes. pancakes. I can't yeah. do it. Who needs a front yard? <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, Uncle Buck, one of my absolute favorites. So the um, daughter's name is Tia? I think so. Which is Spanish for aunt in Uncle Is it Buck. really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, now I got to look. <laughs> now I got to look. Um, she's one of those actresses that like you saw for a while and then I've never seen again. Um, uh, oh, no. No, that's not true because then she was in that like terrible sitcom in the late 90s. Um, hold on. Oh, it was right there. Which Don't one? Yeah, yeah, Tia. Tia Russell. Uh, Jean Louisa Kelly. And she ended up being... Famous for, dear Lord. Oh, this is Letterbox, so so oh, TV sh- TV dear shows Lord. will not be on there. <laughs> what um, uh, anyway. what was Macaulay Culkin's character's name? <laughs> Just as I close the app again, uh, I was curious if like Miles Hughes wrote that on purpose. But anyway, Miles Tia. No. I don't know. No connection. All right, Probably Ryan. Not. Uh, my number two is a repeat. It is the second part of a trilogy. It's Back to the Future Part 2. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. The movie's so much fun. You know, when I was a kid, you know, you always wanted the self-lacing shoes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can get them. Yeah. <laughs> They're only $600. Yeah, and uh, as you, when you get older, you appreciate the intricacies of the film. Uh, but it's it's a film, and I, we touched on it, where there's so many different... Uh, timelines that it's hard for it to work and it works really well um and the whole back to the future series is brilliant anyways so um yeah number two uh i mean we already talked about it i always wanted the pizza hut pizza that just got bigger yeah Um, i mean now you can watch all those sports and stuff but um yeah and and uh biff's character arc is really fascinating yeah if you guys got the sports almanac would you be? Yep. No, yeah, wouldn't you know would. to, yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't know how to read it. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering where our morals lie mm. on this. No, I'd go back and win all the money. Oh yeah. yeah, no, you would absolutely take it back. But I would I would like I would win money in a way that doesn't dramatically affect the yeah. universe. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I would I'd use win. It. I'd win enough to be comfortable in life. There you go. Yeah, and I right? wouldn't be like Biff. I mean, no, fuck no, 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 no. You don't just throw that around like yeah. oh, hell comforting no. yeah. around like waving your dick around at people. Well, well, you win. You win just enough to like, you know, <laughs> buy a small business that yeah. is stable. A fix-it-up shop. <laughs> Actually, no, I take that all back because you've also been to the future. You so sail I would... slow, you pop into the almanac for a little bit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Place another bet. You you win enough money to buy some stocks in companies you know are going to do well because you're from the future. <laughs> Knowing me, I'd still screw it up and bet on every team Michael Jordan's managing currently. <laughs> um, That's yeah. a Michael Jordan jab, I guess. Done well. Yeah, if he manages teams, he's you know the owner of... Oh, no, 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 yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know sports, guys. 
Yep, you made that abundantly clear. Oh yeah, um, I, like I said, wouldn't know how to read the almanac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do these numbers mean? RBI. Cool. Yeah. Good, no, yeah, good no, pick. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. really RBI, where, really big internet. Where was it in your? Was it your favorite? Was it your second? Was uh, it, no, which I, one is your favorite? I've always liked the first one. Sure. Um, yeah. It sounds super cliched to say, but yeah. you know, that yeah. that that one is just because I think I think the first one's a little funnier too. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I wanted, motivations are really clear. Yeah, yeah, and when you're a kid, you always gravitate to stupid things. You know, riding a skateboard and hanging onto the side of a jeep, I always thought was cool. Yeah. Um, also. Tay Leone way prettier in the first one, yeah. or, or Leah Thompson. I mean, yeah. way prettier in the first one than. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't like. I don't like. like the, I don't like the fake stuff. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, obviously, it fits the story, but I'm just sure. Saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. Her and I think wars. it's. I think it's intentionally fake. Like yeah. it, it looks like you know she's wearing um, Khan's chest. Khan's chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's just. Anyway. Yeah, I've and I've always liked the '50s and the '60s and the music from there. Yeah. So I, I really connect with that stuff. Right. Um, you so always yeah. wanted to drive 55. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, from the first one. Yes, yeah. 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 And cool. I love the second one, too, obviously. Yeah. Cool. Didn't mean to put number two at my number two. It just fell that way. You should come down to three like the rest of us. I know. You're, you know, you're just naturally clever. If only, yes. if only you could have put something great at number two. I know. Uh, like, like, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I did the right thing and not put it at number two. <laughs> uh, my number two uh, is not surprising, and it's a repeat. Is Indiana Jones and Last Crusade? That's a great movie. Yep. <laughs> Zach, you're number one. <laughs> no, <I'm not> <laughs> I deliberately didn't talk through the other ones so I could save yeah. this moment. No, I don't. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> you can talk about it in a second. Um. Yeah. You you actually spoiled it a bit before. One of the best scripts. Yes, of movies yes. I've ever experienced because I, I a lot of these I recently actually rewatched before the the show, um, and just so there's the foreshadowing that exists in the movie that pays off later, like like you get a little young Indiana Jones backstory. Like it's it's a fun like action sequence to get you sucked into the movie. Yeah, but that scene ends with like just a tiny glimpse of like how fractured the father son relationship is right. um how obsessed that his dad is with you know this this his own uh quest um and then when Indy's at the university and he's interested in class he has that speech of like you know this this is archaeology it's about facts if you want truth Ex you need to go to philosophy ever. class yeah uh which is incredibly relevant today <laughs> right right um because people throw around truth right wrongly yeah. Yeah. um so, and then, you know, uh, there's no, I forget what the other things, but like, there's no this, there's no that. And there's definitely X never marks the spot. <laughs> yeah. And then like a couple scenes later, the X, X in, the the in the library does right. mark the spot and like uh, it blows. And it's set up mind. so well. Yeah. I mean, the, the action scenes are, I mean, the truth is like, if I, if I had to be honest, it is the best of them. Yeah. My heart's in Raiders. Because it's Raiders. Raiders is straightforward. But, it's like an action adventure yeah, romp. It's a serial. <laughs> it's, Last got, it's got Belloc, and I I love it. Like it's the. Uh, but like Crusade has so many more layers to it. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, Crusade is. It's a more about the characters movie. than it is about the quest. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's right. the and Last it, Crusade. And it's funny that you pointed that out because like that first scene, I think people point out as like a corny like, oh, it's you learn how he learns to be afraid of snakes and, and get that and cut. get his yeah. lip cut. 
Uh, and you're like, no, like that scene is about, like you said, it's about his dad's obsession with this thing where, yeah, it starts with this fun little adventure, but it's really about that moment when he gets home and his dad doesn't give a shit or stand up for him or anything. Um, and you kind of realize like, oh, okay, this is, this is our arc for the movie. We didn't talk about it, uh, but, but, um, his, his friend who looks like the most, weird stereotypical like early 1900s boy scout like the one you draw on the manual oh at the beginning of the movie yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the image of him like it's it, it i guess well, that's such a, a, i guess this is a fat joke but that's such a spielberg moment of like putting that kid next to indy where Indy yeah. like is all disheveled and it's pulled apart and you know like oh okay yeah and you're still blowing that bugle <laughs> yeah he's a he's a foil for indy yeah um, and it's great best friend yeah. um yeah no, also like and that cut at the beginning sorry but that cut at the beginning with the hat is awesome where it go as the music oh, cue comes in, yeah, the transition because the guy puts yeah. the hat on him and then he pours up and it's in the rain on a boat and you're like, great editing, fuck, yeah. this is great. Also <laughs> about the fracture relationship, like Indiana Jones, because you know his father left him to grow up on his own, um, he adopts the look of the adventurer, you know, that chases right, him, right? Exactly, which is yeah. also like a great foreshadow, like, right. um, as. Yeah, amazing right and ties into the whole indiana junior thing and all of it Ugh. and then and then you go to maybe one of the most emotional moments in any of those movies where he's like so close and almost has the grail and his dad's like no let it go oh, yes yeah, and you realize yeah. like i mean what an, an incredible moment um oh god i gotta go home and watch last crusade mm-hmm. so good yeah yep good pick good pick yeah yeah Great. Zach? Number one. Um, <laughs> Actually, I just had this epiphany of what Zach's number one is. Yeah. I made this uh, list and I forgot it already. Yeah. My, uh, so my number one is, I like, no out of any of the films on my list, means the most to me because it is a family thing. Um, and I also enjoy it to this day because of how insane, irreverent, and excellent it is. That's right. My number yeah. one is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston! Who was Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. How's it going, dude? And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Everybody get together remember who your buddy is. To trash the 20th century. We got a live one here. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Napoleon. We're from history. Billy the Kid. Oh my God. Joan of Arc. Sigmund Freud. Tell me about your mother. You a musician? Beethoven. Genghis Khan! Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Socrates. George Carlin. We're history. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 
69, dudes! <gasps> Bill and Ted's Excellent! Excellent! Excellent Adventure. Party on, dude. Yeah. Um... Uh, better than Latin. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, better than everything on my list, to be honest. Well, so the thing is, is it's like, like the faculty all over again. <laughs> it's this no. is this is a situation. So I mentioned the Back to the Future Part Two thing. So like they showed us that first, and I don't remember when. Like it was definitely before the age of seven, but around the age of seven or eight, my folks picked this from the library. Um, my mom said she actually watched it on video or like in a theater when she was pregnant with me, which is funny. Um, Excellent. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I remember just being like amazed by the ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. Like I love like Mel Brooks, uh, Carl Reiner's kind of stuff like that. Like where wacky things happen for a reason, but without a reason, whatnot, like it's like, slapstick, goofy humor, stuff that Ryan likes too. I think it stems from this if I really had to pinpoint it because yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, story of two, you know, airhead teenagers have to pass their history report. They get help from uh, Rufus from the future who gives them a telephone booth time machine and they go back and they collect history, historical figures to help them complete their report. Um, this movie makes no sense. <laughs> uh, it has no really cohesive, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, like Bible of like character integrity or anything like that. Like there's no, like we're trying to make a third one right now. It's going to make as much sense as bogus journey did where like nothing has to be connected to the first two films other than they're destined to save the world with rock and roll. Mm. That's it. It would, it wouldn't matter how long it took to get there. Um, uh, though, but I think all that ridiculousness and all that insanity, you can only have it for me at this number one place is simply because of how well Alex Winters and Keanu Reeves work together. Like though that pairing is, I'm not going to say it's the best of all time. Cause that's like a, you know, huge statement to make, but they are among the more solid comedy duos of recent memory that still stand in people's minds. You, it makes you love those characters. They are more defined, I think, than most airhead characters are of this era. Like, you know, they seem interchangeable, but if you watch it, and as many times as I have, you notice that, like, Bill is a much more outgoing kind of guy, and Ted is a little bit more fearful and insecure and trying to figure out, like, how to avoid getting to military school and stuff like that. There's, And it doesn't always push through, but if you're watching their performances closely, you do see it. Um, and I think that the, uh, the two people who wrote it, like did a great job creating these characters and defining them as well as they do. Um, and Stephen Herrick, the director, I think does a great job at getting the moments you need to get and staying like on a shot. If it's a two shot of them and like holding on a moment, I think he does a really good job of it. Um, there's a scene where they hide and uh knights of uh, knights of Ar as knights of armor and they start like hitting each other with swords going like i'm darth i'm darth ted and he's like well i'm bill luke and you're not my father and he holds on it probably longer than anyone else would but you get like the fun of those characters you know screwing around in medieval armor mm -hmm. and 
Um, and all the historical figures. And I mean, this is Abraham Lincoln's greatest speech, guys. Like, fuck off. I mean, all right. Now okay, we're sorry. Done. Second now greatest. We're done. Second. Now, now sec- you're picking fights. You know, he all I he just, wanted was for I, us to be excellent to uh, each other and party on, dudes. And I mean that facetiously, but I do. I was playing nice, and now, <laughs> now it's nothing but mean. Um, no, I mean, I mean, I say that facetiously, but like, it's fun to have those moments. Like, mm. what other movie's gonna have Abraham Lincoln saying "Party on, dude"? It can only be this movie. And I love George Carlin Fair. to death. George, You're right. Yeah, <laughs> jo- that is yeah the jo- George. True thing you've ever said. Yeah, jo- George Carlin also like. From childhood, like from Thomas the Tank Engine into to the today, he's always been a part of my life somehow, in terms of just loving and. Well, he's not a part of your life today. No, he's not because he's dead. Um, he's a dead fuck, not an old fuck anymore. He's a dead fuck. Oh, uh, that's George, that's bad. part of George Carlin bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but this is like the middle ground before I get to his stand up. Yeah, like this is how I start finding out about who he is beyond you know narrating about a train going down a station. So. Yeah, cool. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure still means a lot to me. Really appreciate that they're making a third one. I'm going to go there, and it'll probably be my number one of whatever year it comes out. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, well, that was a great podcast, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no reason to keep going. Uh, James and I obviously have the, <laughs> the, the right answer here. Um, Our number one. Number one. Tag team review. Yeah. <laughs> also a repeat. Indiana Jones. I think it's the only one that crossed all four lists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, it should. Yeah, because it's the best movie of the year. Hands down. Um, it's the best Steven <laughs> Spielberg movie of the year. Hands down. It's the best Indiana Jones movie ever made. That's Some tough. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. That's yeah, tough. but probably. Yeah, probably. We've made I like Crystal Skull today. the most. Get out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, turn Skull's that fine. mic off. Oh. <laughs> It's always uh, Zach's done for the day. It's it's one of those films that is so fun to revisit. Where I, I Even always watching that trailer. Oh yeah, I was like, oh, the boat scene. Yeah, and sorry, go ahead. no, I mean, I'm totally hijacking yours right now. Um, the because I love the character of Indiana Jones, and I yeah. think he's most defined in that film. Yes, um, and it, it, even you know when he falls in love with. You know, the, turns out to be the villainess or whatever, right. which you, is just his fault because he should still be with Marion. I mean, yeah. go on. I mean, he can't help it. He's so ruggedly sexy, oh. you know. Uh, but it's everything about it's just fun, you know. The the yeah. mystery of you know X marks the spot, um, and, and the journey when you're in actually looking for, uh, uh, when you're in the cave, you know, getting there when you're looking for the Holy Grail is amazing. Mm. Um, not just sometimes the special effects, but you brought it up at the end where, uh, you know, he's hanging on to him. He's you know, let it go. You know, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's so not good. worth it. And uh, in, a scene, in a scene where he is is actually the one holding on to Indy, like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, like it's all perfect. Like it's it's one of those moments that I'm sure as a writer they were like, like when they got to that moment they were like, we're fucking smart. <laughs> yeah. This is the winner. You know, I just realized though, like in the university scene, he's talking about how like he's skeptical and everything, but he. Just recently saw a bunch of Nazi faces melt from an arc that opened up. and like... <laughs> Yeah, but that never happens. Uh, did he actually see him? Because remember, he didn't look at it. Keep your eyes he shut, Marion. Don't yeah. look at Marion. But, but he knew not to look, so he had prior knowledge of how to defeat the arc. He, had, he believed that whatever was coming <laughs> yeah. out was bad. So yes. he does believe in things. Uh, and I also love, too, the one of the very last moments in the film is you get a little more into Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and mm. he says, why do you keep calling him Junior? And he says, because that's his name. The, the dog? The dog's name was Indiana. And the dog, Indiana. <laughs> and it's just a great little character moment, too, where he's... Uh, I like that dog. Where Indy even has... Yeah. Like, he's built up a character. The Indiana Jones character right. is a character. And it's, yeah. it's one of those scenes, things kind of like um, Lethal Weapon 2, where, like, once you've seen Last Crusade, it informs the other movies when yeah. you go back and rewatch them. Mm-hmm. Like, the character is different. And so, you know, you watch Lethal Weapon 2, and you're like, why doesn't he just pop his shoulder out? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, but so much of, of who Indy is comes out in Last Crusade. Um yeah, I love Sala laughing at at that revelation at the end. It's like it's 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's just a, it's it's you a, are named after a dog. It's just the most relatable thing the audience can do is just like, wow, we spent three so movies uh, based <laughs> that are all based around a guy who's named after a dog. He's a superhero. <laughs> yeah, so he is a superhero name. It's right? wonderful. It's so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What a what a I I genuinely probably am gonna go home and be like I oh, think I'm going to I, know, <laughs> I, I, I have to put on Last Crusade and Denhelm <laughs> and Denhelm Elliott as uh, Marcus Brody is still one of uh, oh, it's, yeah. it's a character I love right. I don't know if we talked about it. it wait we talked about it when the trailer was playing the stunts are incredible oh right, yeah in the film mm-hmm. yeah I, still I mean that pre CGI world <laughs> yeah yeah uh, the, that whole tank sequence I yeah mean, sheesh I remember as a kid you know when the tanks was cutting through the side. Uh, yeah, with the bent, uh, and he's stuck barrel. hanging yeah. from that thing. Oh, yeah. oh it's so good. Yeah. And then, like, the tables turn, and, like, the, the John Williams score swells, and he gets all pissed off and, like, scales the tank <laughs> and punches those Nazis out. Oh, so I think that's so too good. why I love Indiana Jones. He just punches Nazis all the time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so part great. of what's. It's part of why people don't like the second one is he doesn't get to punch Nazis, right? Like, yeah. You know, um, so he's at his best when he's punching Nazis. Yeah. yeah. You know, sec- right. he's at his second best when he's punching cannibals. <laughs> yeah, third best Being when he's punch- third best when he's punch- punching communists that are dressed like Nazis. Yes, so still a fun movie. Or Ray Winstone. You just have to watch it with your eyes shut. Where's well, I, I mean, I, if you're talking don't about King- look at it, Marion. <laughs> I think Kingdom, uh, you know, the Crystal Skull is the fight in the the diner is amazing. I think the yeah, motorcycle- the diner fight's good. Yeah. yeah, the motorcycle scene is good. Anything that doesn't have CG in it, pretty all right. Yeah, uh, the, even the opening sequence of the truck oh, chase yeah. inside of the warehouse is, yeah. is really cool. The hat blowing um, into the wedding, an amazing shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you take uh, in high school? Did you take physics with uh, Shawhammer? No. Uh, he used to dress up as Indiana Jones for classes. It was awesome. I've, who was the other physics teacher? She was old and bitchy. Did she dress up like Indiana Jones? <laughs> I forget what she was. Miss she Jer- really discouraged me from enjoying Indiana Jones. Oh, her name was Mrs. Jerk. Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Bitch. Mrs. Uh, Butthead. Miss Belloc. Yes, Miss Belloc. They call her Belosh. <laughs> Oh, yep, she gave me best movie dates. of the year, and, and since two out of the four of us picked it, we win. Yeah, on average, <laughs> the best movie of the yes. year. I mean, when you really look at the numbers, pretty much. Yeah, um, I mean, being number four dragged it down a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really right. tipped yeah. the scale. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, yep. Yep. Anyway, it's a great podcast. Uh, yeah. You still uh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh oh well, yeah, Brad. I have a number one. What you guys, was, what, was, what was Brad's? <laughs> who, who could is, know? Is it? Is it Still a mystery. What uh, mine I is? It's parenthood. I, I think it's. The, <laughs> I think it's the greatest number one Brad could ever have. I think it's Pixar, Pixar's Nick Knack. Uh, <laughs> short film is a really controversial choice. I feel sorry for those of you who weren't alive or were barely alive to experience the summer that was '89. Yeah. Um. Nothing has even come close to it. The 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 amount of hype there was for this movie, and the merchandising and the advertising. Um, so for like you know Transformers, the last night, 
before this, <laughs> the only comics claim to fame was Superman. Fred just rolled right through that one. That was good. And then Superman's great yeah. movie. Almost ten years later, more than ten years later, finally some something else. Spider Man Two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Just think the eighty nine version of Spider Man Two. In thirteen short years, we would have Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> ben Affleck's Daredevil, <laughs> the pinnacle of so, comic book movies. The so comic book movies are slow <laughs> to uh, <laughs> develop in the movie world, but anyway. Back to 1989, uh, my number one is obviously. There's, there's still another joke here. Oh. Batman! Oh, there's no trailer because we already did it. Because yeah. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should put you, a second you trailer a good, in. You I'll do it again. I have because... all the power. had a good chance because like you knew brett right and i weren't gonna put it on i know i was so close like if 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 that had just been merciful you know <laughs> you you didn't count on the fact that i do too love this film um, i film. didn't realize you loved it that much like you clearly shafted when harry met sally yeah i know but <laughs> oh <my> God, when <laughs> harry Sally's so good here's about when harry met but, sally again but, but like batman has been an important part of my life throughout like since i was a kid up to now and like this film is definitely a part of that love and i can't not acknowledge that and i still love rewatching this film like it's great Meh. but this is my time uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like i said before uh probably the first time i started like really loving movies um and you know yes there's better quality made films now because the technology's there um, but I, I think if, you know, you're on a desert island and you could, you know, how do I explain Batman to someone? I think this movie <laughs> kind of sums all that up in like a cliff notes kind of way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Anton first production design is probably the best thing about the movie. Really? Um, second is Jack Nicholson's unhinged performance as the Joker. Uh, then you got Michael Keaton and a surprising, like, you know, if you, be your mindset back into the day. The guy who just played Beetlejuice is going to play Batman. Or Mr. What, Mom. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Uh, and Dan, Danny Elfman's The Waltz of Death. 
Yeah, the, the score. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, there was there's John Williams' Superman score is like the only comparable yeah. thing well, at that point. I mean, the Batman yeah. theme in this uh, set the oh. tone for all Batman, and it translated games. to the animated series. Yeah. Like Shirley oh, yeah. Walker, uh, you know, jumped off of it. Um, it's, it's the Batman theme. Yeah, yeah, like I still have like like Hans Zimmer's is uh, I guess March for the Dark Knight films is okay, but it seems a little derivative of. Yeah the Spider-Man theme, which is derivative of the Batman theme. Because um, Danny Elfman also did it. Um, yeah, what else? Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, it just takes me back. What what uh, specifically about the film connected with you? Um, Like as a kid? I don't know. It's just like I feel like some things are just because thrown at you and you like, like it. Because it's not only 1989 Batman's best cool. film for you. This is one of your favorite films ever. Yeah, second all time. Um like a lot of that all-time list just goes back to like I think a lot of your love for what you love is just based on where you were in that moment in time. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. and also like your distorted recollection of that moment in time. Like if you were there, honey, I shrunk the kids. Right now, it would probably Don't seem say. mundane, but like you know, like I said, that summer, like just you know, the merchandise and the toys and everything, and uh, you know. It was also weird because they also re-released the 60s Batman show like on the Family Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just seen that this movie and then my parents <laughs> were like, there's a Batman show on TV. Like, oh, cool. I'm going to watch it. And then you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <is> <laughs> Keep it. And I, I, you know, I hadn't read the comics yet. Like, I think our babysitter gave us, I think, Detective Comics 600, 670 something, which is like. Also, an issue where the Joker, it's like based on like tarot cards, but the Joker's like murdering people in a museum. <laughs> and so I've got like these three disparate right. versions of Batman going on in my seven year old brain. Um, it, yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, a cool, I don't know, it's, it's just, there's something about it that uh, attracted me yeah. to it. You know, as a kid, you can't explain it. You just, you just like stuff. It was probably a better version of Batman than what was in the comics at the time because this is like three years after Dark Knight Returns. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, it's. It changed Batman because besides the Dark Knight Returns, I mean, now you had it being accepted in the masses, and then Batman became darker at that point. It became cool, yeah. right? He's yeah. not a joke anymore. It's yeah. not a slapsticky like you know. It's not um, '60s camp. It's become like, which is true for comics mainstream. overall, right? right? Like here's here's this movie that finally makes a movie that where you're like, oh, it's not you know some silly thing because even superman is a little tongue-in-cheek and he's superman so he sucks anyway so like <laughs> yeah he gives a fuck like Finally those, those movies didn't make you walk out and go like man comic books are cool there's like this there's, is a great myth like yeah there's an earnestness to this film that doesn't exist prior to it yeah. and it sets the tone for the earnestness that we now enjoy today right um and i forget like the blu-ray actually has a commentary by Tim Burton yeah. talking about making the movie, and it's not as weird as you'd think it'd be. Um, He's pretty straightforward in it. <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about, like, um, you know, his appreciation for the 60s version of it in the comics, but he admits, like, I didn't really read the comics. I watched that TV show. Um, but I, f- I felt like, you know, if I'm going to make a movie of it and for people to take it seriously and, like, like commercially successful, like, I had to deviate and, like, find my own version of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this is... Um, I'd say... Batman Returns is more of his own version of it because, yeah. you know, I think his biggest movie was Beetlejuice at that point or yeah. was Big Adventure yeah. bigger. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, sure Beetlejuice was. But if you watch those two movies back to back, like you see, a, like this feels like it doesn't have quite as much confidence, and like Returns has all the confidence. Oh yeah. Um. So. Well, and this is also you know after talking to Michael Yusel, right? Like this is this is probably a lot of him putting that like no 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 I know what this character should actually True. be. Yeah, it's probably like, a lot more useful than this. He didn't even need to have read or you know Burton didn't need to have read the comics because he's got Michael Yusel in there going like no no no. Strip out all of the stupid jokes. Like, this is a guy who is traumatized by his parents' death and goes to fight crime. Like, I, I want this version, and I want this Joker. I don't, you know. Um, and it's great. Yeah, he yeah. was right. Yeah. So. Cool. Yep. Good pick. Yep. Good job. Great year, you guys. Yeah. Great year. Great year. So many more I would have loved to put on this list. Speaking of which... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, we have a lot of lists. Um, I guess we can trade off. I'll start with... Um, did you get the PDF that Zach made? Uh, I did. I didn't open it, though. I'm looking at our emails. Okay. It was sent to the emails. Because we compiled all the Facebook comments, so we wouldn't have yeah. to go to the, each post. Yeah, oh, cool. that's cool. Um, did you put... You didn't put the emails in it, though? No, the emails okay. are... Cool. So, so yeah. uh, the first Brad, one is... Brad, you uh, do the emails. Brad can do the Facebook, and I'll read my mom's. Cool. Uh, the first my mom's one, one, so I'll read hers. Oh, nice. fuck. Cool. Uh, the first one we got was from uh, some guy named Jake Hart. Um, no shit. Yeah. Hi, fellas. Jake Hart here. You know my brother. Aw. Heard you wanted a top 10 list for 1989, so I decided to try my hand at it. Hell yeah. Number 10, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Everyone hates this movie, and I'm not saying it's secretly the best Star Trek movie or anything, but I liked it okay. It's mainly on here because I still remember the line, what does God need a starship with a starship? <laughs> Which I think makes a profound point, not just about the situation the characters are in, but about the nature of religion in general. I think it's a valid point. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, Dead Poet Society. This is a okay. obligatory because everyone needs to see this movie during adolescence when they're learning how to think for themselves, to be aware of how they are learning to think for themselves. Number eight, Uncle Buck. John Candy was gone too soon. Very true. Was that his last movie? Uh, no, but no, but very the the ninety two. It was, it was close after this, and the I feel last like he and Jim shot Henson is like died like the same time or something. Yeah, uh, ooh, that's probably true. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It was like ninety two, I think. Um, it's one of the last like complete films that he did, and what what it is is that the very last shot is this really heartwarming like he turns freeze frame as he waves at the camera. He's got a big smile. He looks like John Candy. It is this like sad goodbye at the end of the movie that then. In, encapsulated in oh he's dead now it was, uh-huh. just, it was really rough <laughs> uh this is a this is a nice poll number seven eric the viking <laughs> yeah oh no i know i wanted to put that at 10 too yeah. discovered this in high school and just thought it was hilarious it Never probably it. helped yeah that i was right at the peak age to appreciate sophomoric humor yeah uh number six why are we rape shrunk- and pillage <laughs> to go on the next expedition why yeah. do we go on the next expedition so we can rape and pillage <laughs> it's a great terry gilliam film yeah uh number six honey i shrunk the kids Mostly because I remember liking it so much as a kid. It was a truly, it was a really epic for me at the time. Can you tell we're related? I know. <laughs> Number five, Back to the Future Part Two. You do only watch wow. this one, so you can watch three. But it's a central component <laughs> in a series See, that I adore. This is who I was arguing against because I was just gonna say, like, how do you put that so low? Oh, it's because he's the guy who doesn't like two. <laughs> that Gosh. I adore, along with the rest of Western, Western Civilization. Uh, Number four, Batman sings the first bar of the theme song. <laughs> this, ha- this is perhaps more important for launching the animated series and other subsequent material than the movie itself. Mm. Agreed. Um, number three, The Little Mermaid. Major memory here growing up, James and I had a ritual where we would usually watch a movie after school. We had a selection of maybe 10 movies, and this was one. 
The other thing about it is it seems completely unoriginal now because it does the exact same things as every single animated movie in the 90s, especially Disney. The musical with a misunderstood heroine who wants something, but that is because all of those other movies were copying this one. Very true. I don't know if you guys grew up with a sister in the 80s, but like like Batman, like The Little Mermaid oh, yeah. was yep. huge for little girls. I was just going to say, can you tell that that guy has a daughter? Like... <laughs> uh, number two. Christmas Vacation. James probably told you how we watch this almost this almost religiously. Is almost isn't Christmas without it. As a homeowner dad now, I somewhat tend to compare <laughs> my Christmas to the Griswolds. Uh, number one is Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, and I I really want to bring this point home because it's really great. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think, wouldn't you, Jake? You would. You would, you think. Do, you would think. So duh. now there's three out of five. So we're right. Again. Well, yeah. maybe we'll find some more down the line. Yeah. Brad? Uh, okay. Um, our friend Richard um, did a film explosion list. Cool. Uh, the the director of Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer. Um, he called the film explosion a film's lotion. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gross. Um, no, I say that's a typo because <laughs> it makes me feel better. No. <laughs> no, that's the hyphenated. <laughs> reinforcing the just joke drive it home um no order just uh honey i shrunk the kids the little mermaid bill and ted's excellent adventure weekend at bernie's which made a great poster this year yeah it did yeah. man uh national lampoon's christmas yeah. vacation uh uhf obviously yeah. all dogs go to heaven haven't talked about it yet oh man yeah um i didn't realize meet the feebles was this year yeah, oh, yeah. i tried um, but it's meet the feebles <laughs> I, I had to watch that on i love that movie that but it's meet the feebles yeah <laughs> I've only seen it on VHS, and it's a bad VHS. Like, <laughs> it's just black screen for a lot of it. Um, poor lighting. Uh, the Toxic Avenger 2 and 3 came out in the same year. Surprise. Um, uh, Redneck Zombies, never yeah, heard of. Seen that one. And then <laughs> is there a Penn and Teller Get Killed as a movie? Yes. It's, it's pretty good, but not great. It's basically Penn and Teller trying to avoid an assassin, and the title is very appropriate. And it's our our the director of Bonnie and Clyde's last movie before he dies. Oh, yeah, it's interesting, and I like Penn and Teller, but it didn't. No. <laughs> and then my mom sent in one. Cool. Uh, again, hers isn't numbered, so uh, she starts with Indiana Jones: and Last Crusade, and Back to the Future Two, which so like my list, so, so it's right. Yeah. Well, I think they're in order. I think they're just from one down. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start from. Okay, she didn't do ten. Um, so actually, her bottom is War of the Roses, which actually oh, yeah. saw DeVito for the first knows. time in college. It was on Comedy Central. I skipped class to finish the movie because it was so good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to stay here and keep watching this. Yeah. Um, Deep Calm, which is a movie she was oh, telling yeah. me I really need to see, but I've never heard of it. Nicole Kidman, I believe. Yeah. And Billy Zane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's actually a really good movie. Yeah. Um, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Which I didn't... <laughs> Uh, Christmas Vacation, I expected. Uh, she also really liked Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, Glory, which uh, could have made my 10 spot. Yeah. spot. Um, like, I always remember the end where they all walk up to the can and get blown away. Yeah. Um, crazy way to end that movie. Uh, first time I saw it was like, in a hotel room because we were on a family vacation. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's a happy family vacation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and Back to the Future 2, which I didn't expect to nice. be on her list. So Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to do my mom's? Yep. All right. Um, it was funny because, well, I'll just read it. Uh, my dear real nerds, 
Uh, well, I was disappointed that you didn't begin this year's film explosion with 1979. That was a great year for movies. <laughs> but I guess none of you were born yet. Uh, 1989 is the same year that we moved to Colorado with our kids, two Aww. and nine, uh, that October. Um, didn't get to the theater much that year. Uh, as I looked through the list of movies from 1989, I realized that there were um, that there were a few that we never caught up with. Uh, Dead Poet Society, Born on the Fourth of July, uh, and I'm sure I'll learn about uh, about more listening to the podcast. Here's what I have, and I freaked out when you started reading Jake's because I was afraid that they were going to have almost the same list. Mm-hmm. Number ten, Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. Uh, what can I say? Yes, it's one of the worst Star Trek movies in my opinion, but it's still Star Trek. <laughs> That's what your brother said. <laughs> oh, <and> whoever, yeah. <laughs> um, Number nine, honey, I shrunk the uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Uh, how clever! <laughs> <shut up. laughs> Not what I said. Uh, how clever! James's mom's. Uh, how clever and <laughs> was fun for the whole family. Number eight, Little Mermaid. Great memory taking Jacob to uh, taking Jacob and going to see this with his cousins oh. and aunts. Um, we came Jacob's out of the mom took him to see Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, we came out of the theater uh, all singing the songs all the way to the car. Um, it was a wonderful, it's true, fun movie. Really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. There um, you see her. Number seven. Sitting there across the way. <laughs> <laughs> number seven, always. It's been a long time since I've seen this, but I remember that I loved it. She number six. Here it is. Uh, about <laughs> number six, Driving Miss Daisy. Very different people learning about each other. Yep. Uh, number five, Uncle Buck. John Candy, what a loss. Uh, and he was so great in this role with kids. Uh, number four, here's one that none of us have talked about, which is Field of Dreams, beautiful mm. story, which is a like very crowd-pleasing popular movie that I was surprised nobody uh, you know, Dad, had mentioned. Dad, I have yet. a catch. Yeah, um, that's a great one. It's probably that... It's probably that like it's a movie that most guys just don't really like to watch that often because it's a little bit too close to the heart. But because uh, that's totally why I don't watch that movie. I, that I just don't. That's that's the film that made me start really liking baseball with my dad. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, number three, Christmas Vacation, family tradition. It's now part of, uh, of how we communicate with each other, <laughs> which is true. Number two, Steel Magnolias, which was my eleven. I I. I bumped Steel Magnolias for the partially for a reason I'll talk about in a second. But um, number number two, Steel Magnolias. This is one of my all time favorite movies. Still makes me cry and laugh. So I used to like this movie, but Brooks has ruined it for me because <laughs> she's pregnant and diabetic. And and years ago, she talked about how like when people would find out she was diabetic, they would talk about Steel Magnolias as like. Oh no, you're gonna die like Julia Roberts, oh, no. which is not what's gonna. Oh my! Not God. a thing. But anyway, so now when I think of Steel Magnolias, I think like, oh, my wife's going to die in childbirth. This is <laughs> awful. So not on my top ten list, but thanks, Mom. Anyway, uh, number one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I love this movie so much. The interaction between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery is so much fun. The action, the Nazis, we love to hate. <laughs> I put a cup pause in there that wasn't there. <laughs> the action, the Nazis, what's not the love? <laughs> Seeing Sean Connery is uh, such a lovable role, in such a lovable role, uh, it, uh, it remains a favorite. Honorable mentions, Turner and Hooch, Tom Hanks is so great, and together with the dog, it's all so much fun. When Harry met Sally, can't believe she didn't put that in her 10, uh, one of my favorite romantic comedies. Sorry, Ryan, I know that you love the burbs, but I hate it. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> what I remember was that it was advertised as a comedy, not. <laughs> but Ryan, I have wanted to talk to you about something that we do agree on, not from 1989. Uh, Mel Gibson's The Patriot. I was just watching it the other night. I love it so much. Uh, I love so much about the movie, and I still cry every time Susan chases after her dad. Yep. Um, that's all for now. I can't wait to listen to the podcast to see what uh, to see which ones you have. Or sorry, I can't wait to listen to the podcast to see which one of you has cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death on his list. <laughs> oh, number eleven. Which man? <laughs> I keep wanting to look up and see if it's a real movie. And then she says. And I'm sure James has Killer Crocodile on his list. Love you guys, Carol. Number 12. <laughs> um, yeah, I've long feared that I wouldn't cry when Susan <laughs> runs after her father in The Patriot. Um, oh, but no, I love The Patriot. That's, that's one of my favorite war movies. Uh, not from 89, though. It's not. No, no, no. no she's, she's she's just, she said not from 89. Yeah. She's just saying that. She was just, well, she I, haven't, was just, I haven't seen Carol she in a while. Yeah, she hasn't written in, and so she was like, hey, I keep meaning to tell Ryan how much I like that movie, too. Yeah, um, right. I got to look up Cannibal. Do you want to do Ryan Neal's? Uh, yeah, or I have uh, Holy John's. Holy shit. Whatever you want to do. Can I do John's? Yeah. All right. This is a real movie. Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Look at that. Wow! Yep, Looks number like eleven. I think we all we all need to see this movie now. My goodness. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. It's got Bill Maher in it. Okay, that's the last thing. Oh. <laughs> now I definitely won't see it. So, frequent listener Ryan Neal sent in a list. Um, hey nerds, thanks for letting us share our list with you again in this year's film explosion. This year holds a special. Uh, this year holds a special for me. I was 16, and I finally able to drive myself as well as choose the movies I wanted to see since I was paying for them myself. So this list is exactly everything the 16-year-old me saw in the theater that year. Wow. It wasn't till later that I gained appreciation in some of the movies I left off. Like, Zach, I'm sure some of those choices will uh, infuriate the group. (laughs) Um, Keeping that in mind, here is my 16-year-old top 10. Number 10, Uncle Buck. Fuck yeah. Number 9, The Burbs. I was in love with Carrie Fisher. Number eight, Christmas Vacation. Number seven, Roadhouse. Yeah. Um, number six, Tango and Cash. Wow. Five is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Number four is Back to the Future 2. Nice. Cool. UHF was one of the seven people at the premiere. <laughs> Two Lucky. is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And number one is Batman. Saw it four times that year. Hell yeah. He says, keep up the great work. Love the show. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate cool. that. Neat. Uh, John from John of All Trades wrote in, Hey guys, here's my definitive 1989 movies. Number one. Actually, I'm going to go backwards. Hang on. Number five, (laughs) An Innocent Man. I watched this so many times on cable that I probably have Stockholm Syndrome uh, with it. Oh, man. This is pretty ugly. This is a pretty ugly and mean-spirited movie, which ain't usually my speed, but fuck it. Tom (laughs) Selk is great in it. F. Murray Abraham is even better. And the guy who plays Jingles gets shanked in the bathroom in a very satisfying way. An absolute Sunday afternoon shitty cable classic. Number four, The Burbs. Joe Dante is a mad genius. This movie is subversive and weird and hilarious. Probably Corey Feldman's best performance. Bruce Dern steals the show for me here. Uh, Tom Hanks gradually grows more and more unhinged as the movie unfolds, which is something he should do more often. Uh, Number three, um, uh, right on, Karate Kid 3. This is not a good movie. (laughs) And I love it so much. Thomas Ian Griffith chews the scenery as rich asshole Terry Silver who decides, hey, 
My business is going pretty good. I'll take a couple of months off to fuck with a teenager and his geriatric <laughs> ma- maintenance man friend. That'll be a good use of my time. <laughs> this movie is my version of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. I'm obsessed with its awfulness. I love it so much. Oh, uh, number two, Major League. There a movie goes. I will stop and watch every time it's on. Granted, the love story between Tom Berenger and Rene Russo bores the absolute shit out of me, except for when <laughs> Berenger crashes the cocktail party with all the rich pricks. <laughs> Notwithstanding, I love the true-to-life feeling of the vulgarity in the clubhouse, and especially James Gammon's performance as this uh, as over-this-shit manager Lou Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friend Jason and I will uh, will stay to each will say to each other, "Shut up, Dorn," uh, when we've had enough of whatever the other is saying. I always say, up your butt, Joe Boo. That's like my go-to quote from there. <laughs> I've never heard you say that. <laughs> no. He always says it, Brad. Hmm. <laughs> Don't listen to me ever, I guess. I guess not. Th- that's how Ryan uh, leaves. Uh, anytime he leaves the house after recording, he'd just be like, yep, up, up, up your butt. Up your butt, Joe Boo. Yep. Uh, and John's number one is Parenthood, a movie that has gotten better with age, and especially now that I'm a parent. Incredible cast. I didn't know with- that show was on back then. <laughs> Incredible cast, written with equal parts biting humor and tender realism, and inspired one of my favorite shows of this decade. And I love how what could have turned small C in a lesser director's hands, Ron Howard cuts with gentle, hilarious acid. Yeah. Quote, if she's so brilliant, why is she sitting in our neighbor's car? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, so I'm not sure what that reference is. That, that... If you search Amazon for the Burbs Blu-ray, Spider-Man Spider-Verse comes up number one. It's like, it's made for me. <laughs> Parenthood's great. That's Ron cool. Howard does a good job of that movie. Steve Martin's great in it. Oh, we also got a list from Corinne. Cool. I'm, I'm going to read it, Corinne. <laughs> hey, nerds. So excited for a new round of Film Explosion episodes. Can't wait for 1999 and 2009. But first, got to tackle that... Uh, gotta tackle what was definitely a great year of movies. I totally agree with James's mom, Carol. Putting these lists together is always difficult. So because I wanted to set a criteria for my entries, I judged all the movies I've seen from 1989 on a combination of personal preference, nostalgia, overall quality, and cultural significance. I apologize in advance for how long it is, so here we go. Uh, number 10, a.k.a. The Ringer entry. The Phantom of the Opera. Yes, the one with Robert England. Wow. I will fully admit that there are, are better movies that came out in 1989 that aren't on this list. Oh, yeah. But I really Probably just not. wanted to talk about this movie and how crazy wackadoodle it is. <laughs> yep. Rewatching some clips this week, by no means is it a great movie. It's campy. Very campy. But it's Robert freaking England as yep. the name of the opera. Fuck yeah. I'm not even a horror person. I've never even seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's a big deal. I've seen dozens of versions of Phantom of the Opera. Some good, some really bad. This doesn't even crack my list of a top time, top five versions of the story, but I appreciate that they tried to do something different with it. Playing up the horror aspect of the source material, incorporating the Faust-like origin story for the Phantom, and bookending the bulk of the plot with weird consciousness time travel concept. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's campy and bizarre. And I feel like everyone behind the scenes must have wanted Robert England playing Freddy Krueger, playing the Phantom of the Opera. His makeup in this definitely gives you that idea, but props to England because he knows what he is doing and he chooses scenery as a Phantom. He's far and away the best part of the movie, so it's worth watching just for his I'm having a blast and I don't care performance. But it's one of those movies that you have to meet it at its own terms if you want to have a good time. Much like The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number nine, Back to the Future, part two. Relatively low on the list, but this is my least favorite of the Back to the Future films. 
I know everyone shits on part three, but I genuinely like it more than this one. Still a great movie and a sequel that actually isn't bad compared to the original. I think the first one is a much better movie, but this is a pretty good follow-up. I appreciate they upped the ante with three different timelines, the future, an alternate present, and past. Plus, they threw in a few little nuggets of foreshadowing of, for part three. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, When Harry Met Sally. I only watched this for the first time about five years ago, despite falling into that we're only going, we're only going to be platonic friends, but nope, actually, let's be a couple trope. I really appreciate the conversation that the movie characters are trying to have, even though they ultimately fail. I personally believe that men and women can be platonic friends without feelings developing, but I enjoyed watching Harry and Sally go on this bonkers journey at the same time. You are yeah. wrong. <laughs> Dead Poet Society, number seven. Not really a favorite movie of mine, but I love the message that it... I'm just emphasizing in time she like oh, yeah, makes yeah. it big or, um, you know... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Thank you. Uh, uh, the importance of poetry and literature. I think it deserves a spot on this list simply for the moment when Robin Williams' character tells his students that they should study poetry because they are members of the human race. But there are other well-done scenes besides that one. It also gives some, it also has some, some fantastic performances, and I guess I never thought about it before, but this might be my favorite Robin Williams performance outside the genie in Aladdin. Hmm. Number six, Batman. While I personally think Dead Poet Society might be a better movie, I think Batman 89 is more culturally significant and thus deserved a higher spot. I grew up with Batman of the DCAU. Animated universe. Okay, there we go. Uh, and then saw the... Never heard it referred to that way. I I, neither have I, but um, I just figured... I, I, just, I just refer to it as the real Batman. Yeah, or I the animated re- series. Paul um, Dini's Batman. <laughs> and then saw the Nolan films when they were out in theaters. I don't think I saw this one until after I had seen Batman Begins. And especially after watching some clips this week, I feel like it hasn't aged well. It feels very mm. much of its time, which... a a Batman movie really shouldn't if it's well done. I think Joker's ploy... It's perfect then, it's perfect now. (laughs) (laughs) I think Joker's ploy feels like something ripped off from a plot of a lesser episode of the Batman animated series. Or a regular comic book. (laughs) And Vicky Vale doesn't feel compelling either as a character in her own right or as a love interest for Batman Bruce Wayne. However, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson give excellent performances... And I agree with the others who have said that Keaton's Batman feels the most mentally unstable, visibly insane of any version. Like, you can totally see this guy dressed up in a rubber bat suit to fight crime. As I said, it's a movie that codified Batman for an entire generation and obviously paved the way for its own series of movies while influencing other Batman media and comic book movies for years to come. It paved the way for other movies. This was an entire generation's <laughs> Batman. He just wasn't mine. So please don't hate me for putting it this low on on my list i feel like batman is much like the doctor corinne, everyone has her own and nobody's ever wrong about which one's the best corinne i hate you for putting it so high on your list god damn it also <laughs> pat hangle's greatest performance oh my god henry the fifth is her fifth favorite film oh yeah uh, the once oh, man, more wow. until the breach dear friends so good and the star trek six it's kind of cheating. To put <laughs> st- <laughs> fuck off. And the St. Crispin's Day speeches are enough to warrant this place on list. Plus, it's another fantastic actor-director adding from Kenneth Branagh and features a talented cast of thespians who can absolutely pull the, off this adaptation. Go watch it! It's a really good adaptation, yeah. It's kind of cheating to put Shakespeare on there, though. <laughs> For Kiki's Delivery Service. This it is would also be if Star it Trek, was, right? Uh, yeah. It would be if you put, like, you know, Leo DiCaprio as Romeo and Juliet. That'd be cheating. Uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Kiki's Delivery Service. I had to give this movie its due because on top of being an adorable and well-made movie, 
it in its own right, it is also Miyazaki's movie, uh, the first Miyazaki movie I ever own. And it's also the only one I watched as a kid. House Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke, and others. I did not see those until I was in college or later. And to this day, whenever I see a black cat, I think of Gigi. Gigi. G- whatever. I don't, I've never seen it, so is that the right name for it? I haven't seen it either. G- I, don't, I, I, think don't G- I think it's, it. it's Gigi. Gigi, whatever. Yeah. Rewatching this movie last night, I really love the stellar animation, which really isn't as good as later studio, studio Ghibli films. But it's really well done for 1989. I also really appreciated the character of Kiki and the great messages this movie has. Kiki has fantastic work ethic, leaving home at 13 and very quickly starting her own business. She's polite, kind, hardworking, and thorough, and many of her customers see and appreciate that. But that's not without her struggles, and I loved how the film addressed her losing her powers. Yes, she gets them back in a time of crisis, but everyone around her was telling her to take take time for herself and reach out for her support system. It actually kind of struck me as a good parallel to what we need to teach young people to do when they have mental health problems. It is unhealthy to sit in your room and mope about it. You have to get out, be around people you love and who love you, and talk to them about what you're facing. I also really loved all of the people who came into Kiki's life and how they help and respect her. They don't give her a pass because she's a kid. They allow her to learn a value of earning things through hard work. But when she goes above and beyond, they reward her in kind. Reward her in kind. And when she's sick or struggling with her powers, they don't hesitate to help her. Plus, Osano is the best, and I love her. Osono. Something like that. People shouldn't watch that movie. It's about Satan and demon worship. Anyway, along with the stellar animation and the great characters that come from all the films, this film also likewise boasts some compelling music courtesy of Joe Haisasashi. If you've ever listened to his stuff, you absolutely should. Even without the visuals, it gives you a great sense of what kind of characters, what kind of world, and the characters of these movies. So, yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service. If you don't like it, then you can go right on a... Burbsick. Dirigible, for all I care. Dirigible. 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 There we go. Whatever. (laughs) Didgeridoo. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Very few Christmases have gone by when I haven't watched all or at least part of this movie with my family. Is it the third best movie that came out in 1989? Yes. No. But it's a movie that means a lot to me personally, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, number two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So for a brief period of time, I had this as my number one choice, but then I considered my criteria again, and my number one is a little more culturally significant for reasons I'll explain a bit. No. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is undoubtedly my favorite of the indie movies, but it is a sequel and thus doesn't have the cultural significance as Raiders does. And while everyone holds up Raiders as the best of the indie movies, I've always liked Crusade better because I feel like it has everything that Raiders does, except it also has Sean Connery. <laughs> Fair. We watched this movie a lot when I was growing up, and I still love it. Dog? You're named after the dog? Laugh out loud. You are named after the dog? Yeah. I like that oh dog. My gosh. <laughs> I just I scrolled like down. For, uh, number one, The Little Mermaid. <clears throat> Let me get some water. Under the sea. <laughs> Down where it's um, way to take it from yes. me. Uh, great job, Corinne. You're very thoughtful in your words. After a bit of consideration between these last two movies, I realized this had to be number one for me. Not only is The Little Mermaid a wonderful movie that means a lot to me personally, but it also was the start of the Disney Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Without this movie... I know. <laughs> uh, without this movie, Disney would not be the powerhouse studio that it is today. During the dark ages, the studio's animation department was losing money badly, 
And this was their first massively successful animated film in a long time. Mm -hmm. It also won multiple Golden Globes and Oscars and paved the way for the Renaissance films that came after it, like Beauty and the Beast, my favorite Disney (laughs) film, Aladdin and the Lion King. Yeah. Like, theoretically, if an evil villain was going to erase all of 1989 films from existence, but I could save one, it would be this movie for the sheer cultural value. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would save The Little Mermaid because without it, we might not have the great Disney Renaissance films that came after it. Home on the range. <laughs> I realized that by doing so, we'd be living in a world that might not have the Dark Knight trilogy or most of the comic book f- films. But I'm willing to take that theoretical s- chance because, truth be told, I'd rather live in a world with modern day without modern day comic book movies than without Disney Renaissance ones. Brother Bear. <laughs> Ryan, I need you to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember Pocahontas? Uh, but, oh. <laughs> but aside from Mel Gibson's oh, in that movie, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but aside of course from the he cultural is. value, this movie is simply amazing. I won't say much about the animation because you all know it, how great it is. But I think something we as a culture underestimate about this movie is its voice cast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pat Carroll is Ursula. That's a... There's uh, two question marks and two exclamation points. I didn't know how to read that. That character's to be based fair, on Divine. I don't disagree with her. I just don't like that she's making me think about a world without comic book movies. <laughs> and so I'm 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 offended. A point on the animation though, um I I, I recently I, I may, it might be on the disc cuz I just watched it. Was that really the last hand-drawn one? Because I know Beating the Beast has... I thought Beauty of the Beast had a hand-drawn plus CGI. It, it, well, yeah, I mean, oh, the, no. the, the, when they are dancing to Beauty and the Beast, it's hand-drawn <laughs> characters in a CGI yeah, like, that's environment. But the yeah. rest of it's hand-drawn. Yeah, the rest of it's hand-drawn. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the last one to exclusively I mean, the last, last hand-drawn Disney film is Winnie the Pooh. Um, um, or did Princess and the Frog come Princess after? and the Frog is 09. Yeah, so. and Winnie the Pooh, I think. Well, I think so. Oh, oh, I think cell drawn because Princess the Frog is probably hand drawn, but then digital, like they're not. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll get what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no I think they're maybe saying like flat two D. Um, yeah, so then, know. if that's the case, then hand drawn probably goes out with Little Mermaid. I don't know. I'll look at it. Yeah, but I was, I was, to the archives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Considering it bad. is like still like uh, clear plates of glass with paint on mm. them being like shot in sequence, like yeah, the. Just like the 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 art design of like and how she moves and everything is, is pretty impressive for oh the movie's beautiful yeah. Yeah. yeah no one else could have pulled off uh, could have pulled that off she makes that character through her voice performance alone mm-hmm. poor unfortunate soul is the best Disney villain song tied with Hellfire Fair. and outside of Robin Williams for the genie Pat Carroll is you the can best see if Brian like tweaked for his a face Disney a little bit character like he disagreed <laughs> um. Jodie Benson is equally talented. I honestly think Ariel has the best solo song of any Disney princesses, and that's partly because of Benson's amazing singing voice and charisma. Zach stroking out. <laughs> I feel like this was a time... I, I have to know what villain song you like have such a great affinity for that is um, better. I'll tell you after I'm done. Okay. Um, I honestly think Ariel has the best... I well, that part. I feel like uh, this was a time when Disney was casting people based on their actual vocal performance and not just because they're big name actors just look at the cast for 2019 lion king most of these people aren't known for vocal act their vocal acting chops they're big names because disney wants to get butts in the seats yeah but pocahontas there is a whole rant i could go on about some of the amazing vocal performances Disney got in their renaissance era films but i'll digress um 
the only thing I will disagree with her on there, uh, they never really say who the characters are in the Lion King trailers. They put them at the end. I think the Lion King selling itself by the name. Just me. Um, needless to say, this film means a lot to me as a person. I grew up watching this oh, movie on VHS, singing along to everything. I think even I th- I think I even had the little sing along videos of these songs as a kid. While Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney film, and The Lion King is right behind it, I'd say The Little Mermaid is probably number three for me. Now that I'm thinking about it, and if I could play any Disney character other than the one of the heroes, it'd be Ursula. I love singing "Poor Unfortunate Soul," and I just think Pat Carroll's performance gives Ursula the perfect blend of fun and menacing. And I feel like playing her would be an absolute blast. Along with the sing-alongs and the original movie, I was also a big fan of the TV show as a kid, and I didn't mind the sequel when it came out. The third film is meh. There's a third one. I also love listening to the Little Mermaid original Broadway recording over the years. Hearing Titus Burgess hit the G5 and Under the Sea gives me chills every time. Seriously, if you've never heard it, you need to check out the Broadway version of The Little Mermaid. Hmm. I think it'll help you realize just how amazing this music is when it's performed by a live orchestra and sung by professional singers. No wonder this movie won a Golden Globes and Academy Awards. I think we take it for granted now, but The Little Mermaid is a fucking good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so aggressive. The other thing I noticed when I watched it is like she doesn't become human until like halfway through yeah. the movie, which, mm-hmm. and then like they have the the dinner table scene. I went and took a shower, came back, and the movie had ended <laughs> in like fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, I was like, what? the pacing is so <laughs> odd. Um, so if you're you're asking me a question about Disney villain performances, and wow, that was an aggressive way yeah, to come back into that conversation. That's right. No, um, so here's you're, where you're at and why you're wrong. <laughs> no, no. If you're talking about that era, I actually think "Scars Be Prepared" is a better song because I, sure. I think it. Um, it's e- more really evil yeah. and it's uh, really uh, scary, but this is going to sound really silly, but I think um, high diddly D from Pinocchio is an amazing performance by a villain to trick a kid to go sure. off. Um, <laughs> and that's probably my favorite villain song in a any sure. movie. I figured it was going to be Pinocchio. Um, I like fee fifo fum. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, oh, and uh, be prepared. I think is. I, I think like, be prepared is the best villain song. It's I'm it's glad, tauntingly animated. I'm glad she made that argument though, because it's like Little Mermaid was probably the the most undervalued movie from this year on our on our ten four lists. Like, yeah. does uh, does a villain song like this count? Uh, the headless horseman song from Ichabod, because technically it's Bing Crosby doing all the voices, but Brom Bones I, I, well, is singing the song. Well, she talks about how it's being performed by the actor, so I would go more uh, for the actor. Yeah. Dang um, it. I, I, think, I think James hit on earlier, I think the little more mermaid means more to women, and not just or young women at that point. Sure. But, I mean, I think it's and also it's, a really it's a, important It's, it's film, a great film. You know, I mean, yeah. my wife adores that film. Yeah. I um, think it's great. I think I kind of didn't put it on my list because I thought, well, there's other Disney people here. Somebody will do it. In the same way that I didn't put Roadhouse on my list because I was like, ha, Ryan's got my back. Yeah, totally. I, um, my my friend Brandon sent me a list. Um, and so he's a big 80s guy, too. So um, it's really no particular order. He just has a list. He has Uncle Buck. Yeah. Major League. Pet Cemetery, The Burbs. Batman. Yep. Little Monster. Gleaming the Cube, which is a skateboard movie with Christian Slater. It, it's, <laughs> okay. an, it's, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who's Harry Crumb? That's Gleaming uh, the Cube. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, John Candy again. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Dream a Little Dream. Yeah, cool. So yeah, but no Indiana Jones. So he clearly no. hasn't lived. <laughs> 
Um, thank you, everybody who sent things in. Everything was well thought out, and I love yeah. the list. Did we go through the Facebook ones? I'm going to let you do the Facebook ones. Okay, okay cool. Go ahead. Yeah, right. so we have uh, more. Fuck. Devin Standard Shallow, uh, he did a worst films first, uh, which is his worst films of 89 were She-Devil. Why? She's Out of Control, Three Fugitives, Family Business, and Pink Cadillac. I will definitely agree with that last one. Pink Cadillac but is But what about crap. Cannibal Women of the Avocado Jungle? He did not list that, James. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but his favorites from the year were Batman, Field of Dreams, Little Mermaid, Back to the Future Part Two, UHF, Last Crusade, and Uncle Buck. Cool. Um... And then we have Jason Brandt. Um, he wrote, oh, Holy Smokes did a lot of iconic films come out in 1989. Yep. But these are the ones I en- <laughs> the ones I enjoyed in the theater were Batman, Bill and Ted, Indiana Jones, the Last Crusade, Little Mermaid, yeah, whatever, I had a little sister, LOL. Yeah. Uh, Dead Poets Society. It's okay, I like that movie. Back to the Future Part Two. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Uncle Buck, The Abyss, which I like The Abyss. Um, oh, yeah, Abyss. that's right. That was that year. I know. I, I ignored it as hard as I could. <laughs> Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Little Monsters, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, Her Lover, um, which is a good film, uh, Turner and Hooch, The Wizard, which I haven't seen, uh, but I know what it is uh, about, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Wizard. You know what it, hasn't, that's from this year, it blows my mind like how much affinity there is for it, but it hasn't showed up on any list yet, is Say Anything. Oh, yeah, no. Mm. Oh, yeah. Say Anything is good. I've never seen it, but oh, you people should. talk I'm, about it like I'm, it's the yeah. greatest thing. Yeah, it's not top ten. It's not, good. The, it's not the greatest. They just like not. that image of him holding the boombox. Yeah. I think it was very impactful at the time, and when you go back, it's like, it's it's, it's like a bad interpretation of a John Hughes film. So like, there is a really good dramatic core to it that hits, but it's like, but it's like a bad interpretation of the bad John Hughes film. It's The Breakfast Club, but like, Brett Ratner directed it. You know. But Jason said, uh, it caused me physical pain to pick one, but uh, I would have to say that The Abyss captured my imagination like so other few other films ha- ever have. Gross. With a smiley face. <laughs> the tech demo for Terminator 2. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Nathans uh, said, I secretly enjoyed War of the Roses more than a child of my age should have at the time, which, yep. <laughs> That's an entertaining movie. Uh, it's a good film. Danny DeVito's a great director. I agree. Um, Death the Smoochie, guys. Watch it. Hell yeah. And Throw Mama from the Train. I'll throw Mama from the Train. Uh, Heather Vanderite, uh, who I went to film school with, uh, wrote, I love this movie, and she was referring to The Burbs because you posted a picture of The Burbs. Yes. Um, Frank McGuire, uh, 1989, was one of the best, if not the best years of films in our lifetime, Driving Miss Daisy notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Uh, Matt Willicks, uh, former guest and uh, friend of mine, uh, uh, was Parenthood, The Burbs, Heathers, Indian Last Crusade, Dead Poet Society, Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Uncle Buck, Back to the Future 2, Glory, The Wizard, and Christmas Vacation. Um, yeah. Chuck Westfield, who I also went to school with, uh, Roadhouse and the second sequels, Lethal Weapon 2, Ghostbusters 2, and Back to the Future 2. Uh, Tim Levere, an old manager of mine. Uh, this one is where lists can get hard for me, given the gaps in my viewing history. So this is going to be my personal favorites, uh, favorite 10 from the year. Number 10, Field of Dreams. Number 9, Parenthood. Number 8, Best of the Best. Number 7, The Wizard. Number 6, Back to the Future Part 2. Number 5, Uncle Buck. Number 4, Batman. Number 3, The Burbs. Number 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number 1, Christmas Vacation. It's almost like we've distilled everything down to a definitive list of 
10 films. Like, like, it's the same yeah, one. There's, there's like 15 films total that make up all, every list. Yeah. Um, Jack Hanley from the Superlatives podcast uh, wrote in no particular order. Cinema Paradiso, Do the Right Thing, Decalogue, um, Roger and Me, Drugstore Cowboy, The Killer, The Cook, The Thief and His Wife, and Her Lover, uh, Henry V, Dead Poets Society, and Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. So. I was just I was waiting because I was like, literally, Sex Lies and Videotapes has not been mentioned. I like I like is... that movie, but I don't rewatch it a lot. Oh no no no! <laughs> no one should watch the movie, but it, its place its place in history is important. It, it's, it's very important, um, and I think it's a good script. Um, oh yeah, no, just, I, mean, I own Sex Lies and Videotape. I just you know, it's just not it's just not the Soderbergh I go back to as you no. know, as you, know you say. But it's the birth of independent film in yep, a lot of ways very much so um and uh sterling j cook um uh who was um part of the uh new freedom thing from last year um and he still works a bunch but uh he wrote the burbs adventures of baron munchausen which i love but baron mm. munchausen but i just didn't get it on my list heather's uh earth girls are easy brave little toaster do the right thing the abyss sex lies and videotape drugstore cowboy and the bear was heather's 89 yep would anyone put it on their top ten list? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they're doing uh, a stage version of it uh, at the Bug. I think they're remaking it. It's, or, or yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not it's just a, t- a straight remake. It's like a. It's a TV show. Is it a TV show? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I knew there, there was like something weird about it. I've only seen it once, and it rubbed me the wrong way. But I'd love to rewatch it. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it. that was then. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. like to do it now. Uh, thank you, everybody, um, yeah. for their participation. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, did you do Will Elder? He liked Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's, and he says, like, not a huge fan of Weekend at Bernie's, too, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so thank you, everybody. Yeah. Uh, lots of fun. 89 was a great year. Oh, yeah. Um, next week is Captain Marvel. Hell, yeah. So uh, we'll be seeing Captain Marvel. We've already had a request from Corinne to be on the show because she loves Captain Marvel. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure Corinne will be on the show as well. Cool. Um so yeah, make sure. Uh, so I think movies are, are. I think we're not going to have too many dead weeks coming up soon. Oh no, um, spring and summer kicking in. There's on one that, between Marvel and us, yeah. so we need to figure that one out. Yeah, oh gotcha. Um, on that question, are we actually redoing ninety nine? Well, these guys, ha- he and Zach and Henry, haven't been a part of that show, so I we could probably give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, where's Henry's list? He I'll said, go back and look. Oh, at he texted it. it. That's why we. Didn't... Because I don't think my list would change any. That's the only reason I say it. I don't know. I have to look I at was, it again. I did a good job that time. <laughs> <laughs> you are very proud of yourself for that list. Uh-huh. Hey, look at the list again. Henry's list, which was just five. Um, number five, Harlem Nights. Four, <laughs> I like that film. Uh, number four, The Burbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Back to the Future 2. Number two, Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Nice. And number one, All Dogs Go to Heaven, with a special mention to Godzilla versus Biollante in the Green Book Redo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Green Book Redux. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it probably means Grabbing Miss Daisy. Yeah. Because um, that's what it is. So, yeah, thanks, Henry. Cool. Um, 89 was a rockin'. Yeah, we'll do, redo 99. All right. I mean, I'm not going to revise anything. but No, I'm not going to change anything. Um, I don't think. But it could use a, a, a new title poster and Zach and Henry's sure. input. Maybe I'll do, or maybe I will, but I'll do it like all... I'll give you a weird list. <laughs> nice. It'll all, it'll be all ringers. Or I could do I could do like you know from twenty to eleven, or the worst <laughs> or the worst of that year. you know. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, expanded list. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but and hopefully, given all the audience participation for this episode, they'll also want to be included in the ninety nine yeah, list. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. the two thousand nine um, ones when they'll stop. <laughs> yeah. 
That's um, right. I'll just say the blind side. <laughs> also, we start, need to start advertising that May 6th, we're going to do a live episode recording. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Episode 400, 100, 100, yeah. 100. We're not sure exactly. And it'll just, out of it'll order, be, order, it'll be, order, uh, order. Me, Brad, and James on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you should come. You should come. <laughs> Henry's just going to fly out and sit in the audience. Yep. And Aww. him and Zach and MST3K it. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. No, 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 uh, not me. I'm going to hang out on the side and vape all night. <laughs> but please oh, come to the... the douche flute now, Zach. Hey, it means he's not smoking death sticks. So I, I, it's okay. I, I am now 17 days without a cancer stick, so. The, but you're the, still smoking nicotine, the, so. The, yeah, but. He doesn't have a, a chemical. car. He no, threw a chemical. But there's no tar. I, I was reading an article on our police blotter in Florida. One of them blew up in a dude's hand and it shot through his head and killed oh, him. Oh, I also yeah, have but, a death wish. That's why. <laughs> but he, he'd been fucking with his ohms, man. He was overclocking his rig, y'all. And, you know, that shit is not good for you. I don't understand a fucking thing you just said. But, but I respect special. you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the map, Scott. It's not as douchey, though, because Zach doesn't have a car to blow the smoke out of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. a, like a dark blue Subaru with like, <laughs> rims. <laughs> I don't and have LEDs a mohawk. On the bottom. <laughs> I don't have like a faux hawk to complete it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've declared war on. But remember, May 6th, we, Vape we, we, culture. we want to build an audience to sit in the seats. It's free. So you just have to show up at 7 o'clock. Wait, it's free? Yeah. I'm well, not getting a cut? Admission is free. I won't be there. You got to pay for concessions if you want them because yeah, the exactly. bug needs to make money. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Bring, yeah. Buy we'll me be popcorn. there May 6th. Show up and buy me popcorn. Admission is free. Your time isn't. Yes. Wait. <laughs> I mean, if it's cool if we schedule it for May 4th, because then it'd be our 400th episode, we can say the May 4th be with you, and then we could steal stuff and piggyback off of other people's great ideas. Revenge of the 6th. I mean, if Heather's wasn't, or I forget, I think they're probably in the next musical. We're going to make them so much money, they should just be really happy. That it's a Saturday night. They're probably going to do better off without us. <laughs> So, no. Uh, yeah, come out and see us. Yeah, please. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for sending in lists. We appreciate it. We can't do the show without you. So Well, we do. Yeah. We do the show without you. Many <laughs> weeks we do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we started this show doing it without you. We'll end it doing it without you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm we just, enjoy it when you do. I'm trying to give props to our listeners. Oh, our but listeners, it's really great. Have a show. Dude, they no, participated you're... the hell out of this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's that? Major League phrase, you're blowing smoke up, uh, up, up your butt, butt Joe Boo. Yeah, <laughs> they know you're up your butting. No, them. I appreciate it. <laughs> wow. Welcome to the Sincerity Show. They know you're up the butting them. I don't know. It's a good view. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Let's dance. The bad dance. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. 
for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>